Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Episode 7 of Sports. Waypoint Sports and Sports Adjacent Podcast that sets out to disprove the notion that people with lives dedicated, or I don't know, probably increasingly not dedicated <laughs> to pixels jumping across the screen can't also be unhealthily interested in what nerds condescendingly refer to as sports ball every Super Bowl. Rob, oh boy, this, okay, sure, I, oh, gather the courage, gather the courage. Rob, I start every episode with the same question. Are the Bears back? Oh my god, they are all the way back. Uh, first overall pick, War Chest, just brimming with cash. New team president. Uh, look. There's no way the ba- you know what the Bears are going to take the North <laughs> and they're not giving it back. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, a lot a lot has happened since we last uh, when I was going through our document. I think week thirteen, um, somewhere in December is when we last checked in on uh, all all this. Or moment was that was that November week thirteen? Is that pre Thanksgiving? Has it been that long? It might have been that long. Um, the NFL season never ends at this point. 18 weeks, too many weeks of football, frankly, he says as the, as he prepares to be utterly depressed when there is no more football in like three weeks. Uh, yeah, there was like a, so I would say, um, like when I was sick with COVID, there was a minute where I would also say maybe it felt like there were a couple of weeks where I just kept getting bad games, like tuning in, watching like underwhelming games. But like there were well, you're a couple also beholden to the, the, the to, to the broadcast. I, I I'm constantly like Rob doesn't want spyware, but I'm like Rob, if you want a little bit of spyware, you can you can watch the good game that's on. Yeah, and instead I'm like, no, I will eat my Patriots gruel <laughs> and uh, God, at least they, they used to, they, even if they might be a miserable fan base with you know, a toxic leadership top to bottom. Like at least they were a good team to watch <laughs> for a long stretch. No, they weren't. This is no, this is, I cannot, I cannot stress to you enough, Patrick. They were not a good team to watch. No, I mean in the past, uh, I mean like in the, the past, like, are you just saying broad, broad strokes? No, I'm saying that the most, like throughout most of the Patriots mm. dynasty, I would say their signature was not being a very interesting team to watch. Like it is the equivalent of, like the Patriots are a team that play like they they were, they were putting people into submission holds, mm-hmm. and that was it. It was just like watching them try to get leverage on somebody to like trigger the That's end of fair. the match. Uh, the exception being like when uh, Randy Moss uh, showed up, and it was like, all right, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna run a, a West Coast offense here for a second. We're gonna kick it old school like that. Uh, but beyond that, no, they they, they were never uh, that thrilling a team to watch. Now, admittedly, you know. 
you're in a division where you're playing uh, six games against the essentially CFL. And you know, that's, you know, that's mean to yep. the CFL, uh, frankly, um, yeah. which I think we, we've had a couple of letters d- d- asking us to watch. I think the last time I watched CFL games were was when Mark Tressman was hired by the Bears coming from yep. the CFL where he'd had a bunch of success winning like the. Oh, man, not I'm not like an asshole, but like the winter. I don't know. Like he was won whatever the Super Bowl was for the CFL. Um, it was seen as like a very yeah. high up, you know, a, a very talented coach uh, in that league. Did not did not translate. <laughs> no, no. But anyway, so like I like there were a couple weeks here at the end of the regular season where I was like, man, I don't know. I'm kind of losing a little interest in this football season. And then wildcard weekend hit. And I was like, I want football to last forever. Well, they're really good games. Treasure. It's- Treasure every second. It's funny. We had a let me. We had a question come in uh, related to all that. Ah, uh, mm, oh, shoot. Oh no, did I put it in? Yes. Oh, it's from Justin. Uh, this year's playoffs have had mostly close uh, and exciting games, even in cases where it did not seem like it should would be. Uh, how much, if at all, do you think the new playoff system? is a reason for this. Well, Justin Fields, thanks for writing in. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're uh, such a, such a fan of the podcast. Uh, but I think it's, I think that, that question speaks to like, they were a lot of really good games this weekend. I think it had zero to do with the expanded playoffs. Cause I think I saw a staff that the, the extended, like the teams getting in because of that are oh for whatever. I don't think they've won a single game. <laughs> um, it's just creating uh, an extra game uh, to watch. That said, all of the games on, the teams that should have been the team that should have been that still lost the Dolphins, but they made a hell of a game out of the out of Josh Allen deciding, you know what? The field does not exist five, 10, 15 yards in front of me. The only place I throw the ball is 35, 40 yards down the field where there is a high variance between it being caught and it not being caught. Or being caught by the other team as it was frequently going his way. That that was a blast. Uh I think I think part of it is you're dealing with um like for me, like I like one matchup here that sort of stuck out in my head as far as like a game that ends up being kind of entertaining, even though neither were and end up being very convincing playoff teams, is like Giants and Vikings. I think a lot of years, like two teams like that, uh, one that's gotten like extremely lucky in close games and, uh, you know, the the other kind of, you know, ends up limp, limping in there a little bit. Uh, the I don't know. I'm all in on this Giants team. I, I think they could beat anybody. I think that if you they go in and beat the Eagles. Are you going to be that shocked? Would you be that shocked if they beat the Eagles? No. No, but they no, shouldn't. But, I, but I, at this point, they have surprised. proven me wrong. This is a team that was supposed to be like us, Rob. They were supposed no. to be down in the muck. Brian Dable is the coach that I wanted the Bears to hire. He was uninterested. He was on the candidate list. And then once um, one of the personnel folks from the Bills became the GM of the Giants, the understanding was that was a pa- kind of a package deal. Um, and it yeah. also meant they didn't have to leave the region. So like kids, stuff like that. I get it. It was not the Bears didn't screw anything up. They just had no chance with getting Dable. But he was the coach that I wanted. And so. It's not even bittersweet. I, I'm I'm like, the fact that like Daniel Jones was like left for dead. This was supposed to be, yeah. oh, great. Like this, this season is going nowhere. This team is going nowhere. But hey, hopefully Dable's a good coach. He's an interesting coach. And then they'll see what they have next season. And now, I mean, 
I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl, Rob, but like, no, I'm pretty tempted to put some think, money on it because I bet the odds are like, if I put $5 on the, the Giants winning the Super Bowl, how much do you think that nets me right now? <laughs> a couple hundred bucks? I'll, gi- I'll give you that. I, I would say, though, like where I was going with that is I think in a lot of years, two teams like that end up uh, like their game might end up being a bit like a misfire. Yeah. Uh, or they'd be matched against somebody who was in a completely different class, but it ends up being a really entertaining game because the Giants and Vikings matched up very well. The Vikings were always uh, that, closer to game. the Giants than they were to the top of the 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 NFC. They you right. know their uh, advanced metrics was sort of like looks at things beyond scores and wins and losses uh, to sort of like look at what are what are teams actually doing, um, and f- like the Vikings were. Not a bad team, but frauds in the sense of they were not eleven and three or whatever whatever their final record was. Like they were closer to a was that there's that point that point differential yes, issue. Yes, uh, which was that like they had they were they had a incre- like they had an incredibly winning record, but were generally scoring fewer points than their opponents over the course of the season, uh, which is like not which is really the the mark of like is your offense working? Is your team working? Uh, it's kind of measured in in that sort of overall score versus your opponents. And the Vikings were managing to eke out uh, games in spite of that. But that ends up being a really, really fun game uh, in part because, yeah, you're right. Like the Giants are fun. I'm not. I I think. Daniel Jones is interesting in part because like, you know what it feels like? He feels like such an old school, like short pass uh, QB. Mm-hmm. But also, he runs mean. And they're always surprised so, when he runs. Like, this happened twice when the Giants played the Bears early in our season, in which, you know, you look at Justin Fields or a lot of these running these running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, like, there's something about their build that, like, you can see it. It's like, of course this guy would be a punishing runner. And there's, like, Daniel Jones is just sort of like this lanky white dude that when he gets galloping... It's almost like the opposing well, team is like, wait a second, like he can do that, and he's done that. Oh, he did it twice against us, and both times the team, like, it's either the defense was like, he's not supposed well, to be able to do that. What's he doing? I think it's partly he's he's faster than he's given credit yeah. for being, but also I think he's bigger yeah. than he like he is. He's harder to bring down than people are expecting. Like with with the fields, like yes, he's also not easy to bring down, but also he's very mm-hmm. fast. Like you have to catch him. Uh, Daniel Jones makes a lot of decisions when he's out there running the ball where he's like, I'm going to be caught. But the question is, can you stop me from picking up the three, four yards yeah. after contact? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take my shoulder, like my season. I mean, to some degree, it's like he, he probably didn't have a career beyond being, uh, a tossed around backup if this season didn't go basically perfect, right? Like the beginning of the no. season, the best case scenario for Daniel Jones was, well, they'll give you a one to two year contract while they figure out what they're doing next. And now, you know, sometimes a coach and a player are just in sync and you can bring out the best. And like, do I think Daniel Jones is like a top 10 quarterback? No, but you can probably get him cheaper than what you'd be paying one of those players and maybe the rest of the team and the scheming. You know, look at Kyle Shanahan, like the QB list team proves it like Brock Purdy. I'm sorry. Like, you're, I, you're not actually that good, but boy. As long as you can just put the ball where you're being asked to and you have a genius drawing up the plays and then next level talent taking. I mean, like my favorite was 
there was a play with the 49ers where Debo Samuel took it something like 60 yards after the catch. And somewhere that is recorded as like a 70 yard touchdown. But it's like, no, no, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't even like an open route. Like, Debo juked like two different players, ran up the side. And it's like that the camera's going to Brock Purdy celebrating. It's like, buddy, you didn't do anything. I'm happy for you. Every time they pan to the stands and I see these parents who are like, our beautiful little seventh round boy was never was was never gonna do this. I cannot be happier for them. If people so this is the thing I can't overstate. This is what like the the 49ers story is like so wild and kind of heartwarming because uh people who are not familiar, the last player drafted is all like always called Mr. Irrelevant in the training camp, in part because like these are guys who are the most marginal draftees. They barely they they barely get drafted. Most and won't historically make the roster, they don't make the right? squad. Like, yeah. A lot and if they make the squad, they generally don't have big careers. Like they end up being like two or three year players who are on and off practice yep. squads. But like, uh, like guys in this draft position generally don't get much playing time. And they don't become like stars. Everything that could have gone wrong for the 49ers this year went wrong. Um, and so Brock Purdy is was their Mr. Irrelevant. And he kind of gets pushed to the front of the line as their starting quarterback. And has been good. Uh, in that in that role now it like you know by by all accounts it it helps that uh the 49ers coach has a reputation for helping quarterbacks like making it easier for quarterbacks to they find call, they call them uh i was like joystick quarterbacks um um in which you are you're a puppet you know like just do just if you do what's been drawn up whatever's been drawn up is smarter then whatever you're going to, you know, you have some players who look at a Mahomes. I'm sure help by scheme, help by players. But there are players who transcend their circumstances or, you know, a Peyton Manning, a super cerebral. Um, like, that's not what's happening. And also, he's he wasn't drafted to be that, right? Like, that's there's a reason. No. he Like, there are diamonds in the rough, but that's not what Brock Purdy was. He was meant to be like a, 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 like a third string developmental <laughs> he's, quarterback. He's an emergency button. Again, he's the designated survivor quarterback <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's the state of the union and you're the guy they put aside just in case like if free. I mean, it's not going to happen. We don't dies. want it to happen. But, you know, regulation calls for, you know, the, the rules suggest. Right. So now he's there uh, and and is looking like a good enough quarterback to get a very good 49ers team uh, pretty, pretty far in what seemed like it should have been destined to be a lost season. Uh, with with all the misfortune and they're they're rolling, uh, which has been which has been really cool. Uh, I don't think, though, I will get I, I still have not fully come down from the Jaguars Chargers game. Truly. I mean, the best decision I made this uh-huh. year was not to turn that game off like the year is young. But so far, the best decision I've made as a human being this year <laughs> was we were sitting there and. And it was like the Jaguars looked hopeless. They were scoreless. They had just gotten a possession. And MK was like, this seems pretty over. I, like, I, she's like, I don't know if we can keep watching this. This is this is pretty grim. And I was like, because this was the mm-hmm. thing, right? The game was unfolding really slowly. And I looked at the clock and I was like, yeah, here's the weird thing. If they like scored a touchdown here at the end of the first half, this game's actually not as like far apart as you would think. I don't know. Let's give it, let's give it a little longer. And they do roll at the end of that half. 
and it's like okay but the hole's pretty deep and the second half is just ridiculous yeah i i to to uh, a that was the i had yeah. uh a, a buddy of mine uh on my block that i usually watch the games with our kids play while we watch the games he was coming back to a family thing katie had gone to bed she doesn't really like watching football all that much anyway, but sometimes she'll sit and do something else while I'm watching that. And she's like, I'm fr- frankly, I'm going to bed. She's like, I'm tired. Had a long night with one of the kids uh, who wasn't feeling well. Uh, I'm just going to go to bed early. I was like, okay, I'm like doing cleaning. I'm like not even paying attention to the game at that point that we're, that you're talking about where it was 27 zero or whatever, like, you know, they had that kind of commanding. Uh, and I think it ended 27 seven at the half. Um, and even my buddy was like, Hey, I, I'm back from my family. Do you want to, do you want to come to one person go to someone's house to watch the rest of the game? And I was like, I don't know, man, it's late. Like this game looks bad. Like we're going to watch games tomorrow. Like, nah, it's, it's all right. So he turned it off and I, I kept it on and then had to eventually just sit down and stop doing other tasks because at the moment they like, you could feel the momentum. Does, you know, I think I put this in a group chat with you and Austin it was like, Momentum doesn't exist, but confidence does. And I think we frequently conflate the two. And I think there are intangibles that data can't capture about like the flow of a game. But I think like the word confidence is like a much better like way of summarizing that feeling that happens when things are going right or wrong, or it just seems like a, a game is swaying. And there was just a moment where I just, you just look, it's like they were still down two touchdowns. I'm like the Jaguars are going to win this. Like that. Yeah. The Chargers have nothing in the t- like it, they are listless and watching it unfold was it was just beautiful because it's one of the things that it can't happen in it's all has you know it can happen in baseball as well because you can score so much in baseball off of just a handful of plays but um there's something about watching you have to grind it out in in football and like watching yeah. that happen in real time was beautiful because if you saw that end score what, what was it 31 29 or 28 what, what is it 31 30 yeah uh the way you would have told yourself what the story of that game is like a pretty traditional back forth back forth and then a field goal at the end when watching it in real time it's not a good game in the traditional sense but it's absolutely one of the best experiences i had watching a game this year oh like it's an entire it's an entire psychodrama right you got trevor lawrence who is like was from early childhood pretty much identified as a great prospect uh for the nfl like all like the moment he picked up football uh identified as a future star and then it's all kind of gone wrong for him uh with having a horrible coach uh you know last year and seeming like expectations are so high that the odds of him also being a bust relative to those expectations always feels very high Mm -hmm. as well uh and he has you know it's a it's a playoff game in that first half Everything goes wrong for him. Now I would say I would say even watching it, I was like, these picks aren't as bad as like two of them were. You know, two two of them were, two of them picks. were bad. Like the the, the the if you don't you know, depending on how much football you watch, this the story of an interception is so much more complicated than what, yeah. what it appears. There are times in like uh, you saw a lot of this with Josh Allen in the Bills game when he was just chucking it. Frequently, he was just. He was making mistakes. He was playing what they call hero balls. Like, I'm just going to throw it because yeah. I believe I can do it. Especially when the field is a lot more condensed, when you're like less than 20 yards. Interceptions can totally be on the quarterback. But I'd say half the time, it's a route is, you know, a, a player hesitates when they shouldn't. They don't run the route as far as they do. Like a lot of times when you're throwing a football, you are throwing the ball before the player arrives at the spot because you have practiced a certain speed and cadence and timing 
And if any of those things are off and, so, you know, if a player bumps into you like a defensive, you know, a cornerback hits you, hits you off. You're like, there's just so Which many happened, ways. a missed penalty on one of those. Interceptions. Exactly. So many ways that's go wrong. And it felt like two of them were Lawrence just fucked up. Two of them were things yeah. just go go terribly wrong for him. But they added up to a historic bad performance. There was a hilarious oh, yeah. stat where the only player to have the last time something had been that bad for a player with that many interceptions. Like he had tied with Nathan Peterman. When, you know, Bear, Chicago Bears backup Nathan Peterman had some sort of historical record on interceptions in a postseason game. And then Trevor Lawrence said, Nathan, I'm going right past that. I'm going to four. Um, and so, I mean, that's just they call it yeah. the turnover differential. And it's like if you they were I think the Chargers won that five five oh because there was a play that they also took back um, uh, a ball and. That's you're just not supposed to win those games. Like you just you're not. No, and and that was the that was the wild part is the ability for Lawrence to also keep pitching, like just stay in there to and have the confidence that you'll have. Like, like the, you know, there, there was if you go back and look at clips of that game, people are pointing out like body language stuff where he'd go out at you know you see players when they throw. Look at Tom Brady, like when he went through his red zone interception um, this past weekend. Uh, you know, he's like whipping his helmet down, throwing tablets like his body. He's he's furious, whether it's at another player or himself. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence was like throwing picks, then going over and like patting guys on the backs like my bad. Like, you know, we'll just get back out there. We'll do it again. That was my fault. And there's something about that vibe well, that there's he's always had that reputation. right? He gave that like why? Like the answer you do not hear guys give where people ask him, like, how important is winning to you? And his response is basically <laughs> not that much. <laughs> And he, he went on for the expand. He's like, I love football. I'm good at football, but like football is not my life, uh, which is something guys at his level, even if it is true, generally do not right. say uh, because usually it is like, uh, you know, no, like winning is everything. I'm a I'm a, I'm a wild. Don't, don't give the local sports media like radio shows something to scream about for a week. If you have a if you throw and, a, like a bad interception. And he's just like, man. But the other thing is, and, you know. This is also kind of like goes to statistics a little bit in the middle of this, like during the meltdown, I turned to MK and I was like, they had just flashed that stat where he had been like error free for like, you know, what was it? 222 uh, like mm-hmm. passes uh, before this, like, like he had this incredible run of reliability and I turned to MK and I was like, we are witnessing the power of regression. Right. This is like statistical averages, like when they come, sometimes they can just come mm-hmm. all at once. Right. Where it's like, OK, like no quarterback is going to get through a, a, a long enough period where they do not generate a certain level of mistakes. And it can just happen where it's like it will happen all at once and you will see those stats come back down to earth all in one go. And in a weird way, that's kind of what we saw. And so in, in another like funny way, it's like Lawrence was able to just continue playing and it all kind of evened out over the course of the game right he righted the ship he had a uh he had an unbelievably bad half especially relative to where he had been and then the second half it's like yeah but i'm trevor lawrence (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was it was really something else and then just to watch the chargers flailing on the other side just a balloon deflating where you they you know this was a team this is not something that I, I, you know, you actively think about, but apparently, you know, one of the strategies becomes when 
you're in a blowout and especially if it's early, right? And that, 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 that game had the feel of a blowout where, you know what, the, you know, eventually the Jaguars are going to score some points, but like, they're, are they really getting like the, the, the Chargers are doing so well, like they're going to keep pace with it. Like the, like the, they're, they're going to be able to, whatever attrition happens, like they'll be okay. And what happens is when you go into a, a game, you start out with your opponent being the other team. And then once the blowout occurs, or this sometimes is fourth quarter when you're holding on to a, a, like a meager lead, it's no longer about facing the other team. It's the clock. Like the clock is actually like the metatextual opponent that you are, are playing with. And one of the things they noted, um, I think I saw Bill, Bill Barnwell over at ESPN put out the actual uh, numbers on this, was that they were snapping the ball, the Chargers, f- frequently with just enormous amounts of time left on the play clock. Um, in plays in which time was progressing. So that's like, you know, uh, you know, a player catches a ball in bounds or you run the ball. Um, the, t- the, you know, the, the clock keeps going and they would have 20 seconds on the play clock and they would snap the ball. And if you add up all of the time that they would have done, it wouldn't it wouldn't have like ended the game, but it would have constrained the world that the, that the, the Jaguars could have played in to such a degree. And that- it changes the decision making that they can. Yes. Yes, exert. even yeah. even if like you're, you can feel the team tightening, you know, you can feel like, you know, a lot of what happened in the first half was was fluky. We can't maintain that for the second half. Um, that happens. It's it's little details like that that you look back and go, oh, shit, we could have essentially erased half a quarter from well, this I, game if we were being more mindful. I think there's a bit of that. But on the flip side, you know, so the, so the Jaguars came out, they went in full attack mode. They were going like quick step, no huddle, like right and left. It was uh, it was an onslaught because they, they did need to to get cooking. They mm-hmm. needed to. They, they had a big uh, deficit to overcome. But there's also the issue, you know, sometimes if you're playing that clock game too much, your offense has no tempo. Yeah. Uh, and the defense is basically fully recovering between plays. And so there's none of that. Like, you know, what you saw over the course, of, like the Vikings and, and Giants game, for instance, is that like. I felt like that game started to really slide away from the Vikings because their defense looked like it was just tired of getting beat to hell by Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Like it, it really did feel like at a certain point, a lot of physical like wear and tear had happened. Uh, and that wasn't happening. The Chargers were t- like, I can see where the Chargers are saying, well, this game will be over if we can just keep our offense on the field. But they couldn't. Uh, they, they, they could not get a, they could not get a drive going, uh, to, to save their lives. And, and so it ends up being just a, uh, you know, they're, they're, they make a brief appearance and then it's back in, back in the Jaguars hands. Part of this is, you know, there was already the controversy that, um, the chargers, uh, head coach, uh, like Staley had played his starters, in a meaningless yeah. game and like got a star receiver hurt, uh, which, you know, does that become a decisive uh, loss in that game? Possibly. Uh, it's a major weapon that your very good quarterback does not have access to. Uh, so like there's, there's things in play like that uh, as, as well. Yeah. So it, that, that was a while. I, I this, we have a, a question from a question, more of a comment from uh, <laughs> Armand. Hey there, this is the Chargers fan that asked, a while back, whether you'd rather know your team is bad or think they're good, only to be disappointed. Well, after the first round of the playoffs, that answer is now known to me on a deep emotional level. My only question is, how bad slash cursed do the Chargers look as tortured fans of another franchise? Thanks for everything. Fuck capitalism and Joe Lombardi, Armand. Joe Lombardi is the, well, since this, since, now yeah, fired. he was fired. He was the, the, the OC, was uh, frequently criticized for 
not throwing the the ball uh, down the field for a quarterback that the if you watch any tape of uh, Herbert, his ability to throw the ball with the speed of a baseball, which is sort of like the like Josh Allen does this as well with a flick of his wrist is just he just throws heaters and you should be able to take advantage of that. And they just never, never quite did. And so I know, I know there were quite a few Chargers fans uh, in my life that were like, you know what? Fine. If this was gets us, you know, like a Sean Payton, then so be it. We have the court. We have a quarterback who's going to be incredible for 10 to 15 years. We'll be back to this spot um, uh, later on the line. Like, let's get, you know, somebody in here. Well, um, I think that's still kind of true. The, the question for me is the Lombardi firing also felt like. Well, we can save we can save our coach. I think that's Staley saving his job by just throwing uh, Lombardi under the under the bus. Now, granted, I think Lombardi deserved to be fired, but like even if this had been yes. a better game and they just lost closely. Um, but I but I think if you're Justin Herbert, you feel a little bit like you've saved that guy's job for two years in a row now. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, like there's what what good has happened here that isn't fundamentally about him being a star quarterback. Uh, like significantly outpacing expectations. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited to see. It's sort of like, I, I don't know how far. Who do the Jaguars play next? They play. Let me roll, scroll down. We'll talk about this later. They play the Chiefs. Um, And, you know, the, the Giants play the Eagles. I, you know, most indications would tell you like getting out of the first round of the playoffs, like that is a win for both of these franchises that are like yep. are creating building blocks, a, a culture. You get experience in the postseason. The fan base is energized. If I was either of those franchises, you'd be you'd like love to win. But as long as you're not embarrassed in the next round, you'd be like, you know what? This was this was a, a victorious season. Couldn't be happier. We'll figure out what we can do um, with another coat of paint uh, next season. But um so I'm happy for the Jaguars and uh, uh, Giants fans in my life. They, I, you know, we talk a lot about being tortured as Bears fans. Those also seem like franchises where there hasn't been a lot to root for. Like the end, Eli Manning's, you know, uh, image now being <laughs> laundered through the delight that is the Manning cast on, on ESPN. Um, as you, you know, one of those players that we watch just die their physicality and, and athleticism die in real time on a football field um well and also get indulged way too yeah. long uh at that team too where it was like it was clear it was over and they were still bending over backwards to be like yeah no eli is our it was like can i co like a kobe bryant situation like in the sense that like you were like trying to main like honor the legacy of a player who is actively making you worse in the present because of the things they did for you before I remember during one of the really bad seasons where uh, Eli was still on, on the Giants, he was he famously a play uh, a quarterback that always played like he had this consecutive streak going where he had not been out again, like fully out for a game and he was bad and they benched him and for huh? Who did they bench him for? I don't remember who Gino Gino Smith. And then he threw his weight around and he was like, I'm still the guy. And Gino went back on the bench. Right. And so and he came back and he was still bad. The streak could have been broken. You can't like just like wave that one away. So it's like Eli lost the streak. Gino, uh, you know, didn't get a fair shot. And now in retrospect, it seems like Gino 
didn't get a fair shot anywhere. It's easy to look at the score of the 49er Seahawks game and be like, wow, that was a blowout. And it became one, but it was a really good game for the first half before the, the 49ers just did what they usually do, which is just have way more talent than you and scheme their way to an, an additional 30 points. But uh, that is funny. I had not, I had not remembered that Gino was the one who was on that team as the, is the backup at the time. Things could have been so different, Giants. You could have had the Geno Smith on your team. And they, uh Yeah. You didn't. God, that is oh, that is incredible. Um it was also very fun. This didn't happen on uh Wildcard Weekend, but I, I feel like we were remiss to not uh eulogize uh the end of the Packers season. Um it was Mwah. you know, yeah, to have it couldn't have happened. What happened couldn't have happened to a uh, more shit heel franchise, and couldn't happen to a. I've got nothing but love for the Lions, right? Like I'm, I'm. They should have been in the playoffs. I think they could have been one of these like Jaguars. Uh, uh, definition, uh, definition teams. of risky. Yes, it's just fun. Like yeah. they had such a. It's interesting. Uh, I forget which podcast I was listening to where they were discussing uh, that game, and it, the question going into that game. Earlier in the day, the the playoff fate of the Lions was going to be sealed by the win loss of of a different game. Yes, and there was a possibility that they went into the game and both teams had something to play for. They were either team could have been win and they say win and in. Where if you just beat win this one game, you go to the playoffs. Turns out the Lions were eliminated beforehand, uh, and that but the but the Packers their path remained alive through the Lions. And then the question becomes: Is it deflating? to not have any chance of a game after this or is being spoiler enough to get it up. And I, you know, how much of this is just Dan Campbell's <laughs> meathead, but still inspiring and charming attitude. How much of it is, is spite against a franchise that has just, especially in recent years, just been increasingly bitter and mean to the uh, you know not even like a like a fun like rivalry to the teams around you but just like as we watch a guy <laughs> ingest drugs and uh and just claim he's better than everyone else there's just it's just a different energy and it was just delightful i think they played looser than they would have played if the playoffs were on the line would they have done something it's, like that run the play whole at year the they end? had a rep for trick plays though that's the funny thing is i like i'm kind yeah. of with you but they played loose this this whole year uh, yeah. and yeah, they, it's a fun offense. Like there was, yeah, there was that like balanced on the edge of a knife, uh, like pass to the outside guy catches it. Looks like it's a screen. He turns back, tosses it back and they, they carry out, a, they carry out a strike, I think for a touchdown on that play. Um, just wild stuff like that. That was like, I got like, the guy was being tackled as he tossed it back to the QB. It's a wildly <laughs> yeah. risky play, uh, but it worked out. Uh, it was great. I, you know, not, and now we're in the uh, the same spot that we were last year with Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, I just, I just don't know, man. Like, you know, I'm gonna have to take some take some time. Um, you know, that team is in a weird spot. I don't think they're in a position to be much better. Next year, um, although I will say that Christian Watson wide receiver looks awesome. Um, he yeah. seems like in a better situation with that team. I don't know if he's the next Devontae Adams, but he looks killer. Um, it was really kind of coming on as the, as the season went along. But uh, 
unfortunately for Christian Watson, I, I wish nothing but the worst for you um, and your experience on this team. No injuries, but just, you know, if you have a, if, if it just doesn't work out for you next season, if the drops just happen to increase, like that would just be too bad for, for you and everything surrounding that godforsaken franchise. It was that that game was so much fun. I think part of it is also. I feel like Aaron Rodgers has a lot of quit in him. Mm-hmm. It, like when it gets bad, like for all that he's got, he can be an edgy guy uh, and like like have an attitude. Like I feel like in recent years, there have been moments where you just feel the fight go out of him. And it's almost like he's going to sulk the rest of the game away. And for me, it was like he got he got driven into the turf, uh, like on their final drive. And you could just see he was kind of checked out after that. Like, you know, might have been maybe his shoulder got a little banged up in that play. But it was just like it was done. Uh, he was he, he was not in it uh, in, in, in the same way anymore. Yeah. And I, w- I wonder how much of that is. And we see this over and over with uh, with different athletes. It's it's especially poignant uh, or like it's very easy to see with quarterbacks um, because they're such a focal point of, of the sport, but what it must be like, and I'm not trying to give any sort of <laughs> sort of like try empathy to, to Aaron Rodgers in the situation, but like what it must be like for something to have come so easy for you for so long. And then to what, like it just doesn't anymore. And we all feel that in different ways, right? Like as your body gets older and oh, yeah. aches, like there are different ways that like things don't work the way they used to. Um, but like, I'm not praised for having like less back pain than I did 10 years. You know what I mean? Like there aren't endless articles and, and questions and podcasts about me, but you know, he has been for all he, as he has tortured uh, us over the years, like one of the most incredible athletes to watch over the last 20 years of football. And I, th- I have to imagine that's a contributing factor. You see this with Brady, even though Brady's not really slipping nearly nearly as much, despite being older than than Rodgers. But where things just worked out for you over and over again, a, a combination of your talent and vision and the things around you, and then when that just doesn't happen anymore, especially with the age, where the aches and the pains and like the hits just last and linger longer. I, g- I guess it's not shocking. And then you combine it with just a completely like deranged personality, <laughs> like like the, the one that inhabits Rogers' brain, that you end up with somebody who is essentially acting like a toddler on the field. Well, and I, and I think that probably is, you know, that may have contributed to some of the decline uh, up to a point too, because I think some of it is there's like a humility that has to come in to accepting that like your your ceiling has changed or how you how you have to play is is going to change. And Brady has done that like like Brady's game is in many ways pretty uninspiring a lot of times now, even like on his good days, because it's a lot of like, I'm just going to make the fastest read on a four or five yard pass that you've ever seen. Uh, and that's and that's the game now. Uh, there is not that much. There's not that much down. So Drew Brees like, did Drew Brees, his, for years. Yes. Drew Brees was clearly washed. His it arm was, turned into a noodle. They and- brought a man in to signal that they would be throwing it more than like 10 yards. A special <laughs> man would show up and it's like, oh, yeah, he's playing quarterback this play. Why is he there? Uh, because he still has an arm. <laughs> like, I've never seen anything like it. Um, what was his name? Um, he's still on the team. He is. Um, he is. Uh, I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, but. I, I've never seen anything like that where like quarterback is clearly washed, but he has some hell taste some hell. That's right. It was, it was a T name uh, like where he's still got enough that you're better off with Drew Brees being able to throw it like nowhere 
he was still a better quarterback than than most other people you get. Rodgers, I feel like, was so explosive for so long and was able to make miracles happen uh, that once the skill set began to wobble a little bit and he couldn't hit those those tight windows as much, I think he was still too... I think he was too arrogant to like recognize that something was going wrong. And instead it became, I'm going to fight with my team. I'm going to fight with my coaches. Uh, I'll, you know, fight with my receivers and I'm going to do a whole bunch of things to kind of mask what's happening. So, you know, he, uh, you know, um, one of the best pieces I've read uh, about Rogers is uh, uh, Paul Noonan's piece on that infamous streak where he was, it was like throwing no interceptions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Noonan's argument was that Rogers was working that stat, and he he was getting a lot of praise for it, but it was coming at the cost of like good plays uh, because he was, he was throwing a- the ball out of bounds, uh, throwing it away at a also historical rate, right? If I remember correctly, right. And so it was like he wasn't really providing the uh, the offensive firepower he was supposed to because he was like buffing this reputation as. Oh, he's just like the supercomputer who makes no mistakes. Mm-hmm. Same way that like, yes, we can all admire how good he is at like drawing people off sides. Sometimes that's really impactful. Sometimes it's a parlor trick. And Rogers like leaned into that stuff so much. But in a lot of these like uh, high pressure situations these last few years, it's clearly not there. You know, he doesn't he can't hit the windows he used to. Uh, and his play is is sloppy. Well, you, I don't know. I don't know if you can extract uh the decline in his play now granted some of this happened while I mean, we're not that far removed from him being pretty exceptional right like this year has been a down year um but with the sort of like rise of like the Pat McAfeeification of Aaron Rodgers in which he is like he's always been an outspoken uh figure like like talking to the to the press and things like that like you know he he's this kind of a self-professed nerd you know like went to the set of he was like you know he's hidden away in one of the the finale episodes of Game of Thrones because he was a, like a big uh, nerd for for those books. But it's really been like the last two years, two to three years in which like he's become part of like the culture war, like a conversation, like like cancel culture yeah. sort of guy. And I don't know that you like I, I feel like the kinds of things you're talking, they probably always lurked there. But there's just like we know people in our lives when you can always like <laughs> like sense the bad vibes but then there becomes like a tipping point in their lives yeah. frequently around middle age. And the I feel like we're seeing that happen to him in all facets of his life in real time, which it's slipping into his play, slipping into the way he talks about himself. There was that extremely good article at The Athletic from some weeks back about the hand signals that Rogers uh, does. Um, and it was this article with all on the record quotes with different. Uh, receivers that had worked with Rodgers in the past about essentially how difficult he is to work with. Why does he not connect with young receivers? Why is he so hard on on new players that come that come in when you think you'd want to get on the same page, make sure they understand? And and essentially it pitches that actually Rodgers expects you to come to him. He's not going to come to you. And that a lot of the communication uh, that he does with his uh, young wide receivers are these like complicated, archaic like layers of hand signals that are a huge part of getting on the same page with him. And it can take season, if not seasons to fully understand that. And again, it's all on the record quotes with players that have worked with him. And he went ballistic calling it 
like a bunch of bullshit. Pat McAfee, who I'm not a huge fan of his yeah. stuff, but does appear to have like a semblance of integrity and is is mostly just taking advantage that his friend Aaron Rodgers will come on his show and give him a lot of good quotes every week. Feels a little like exploitative, even if Rodgers is fully cognizant of what he's doing. But like had to then go back and do a separate segment, like reading the article, apologizing to the reporter and being like, yeah, actually Rodgers was kind of he didn't say Rodgers was full of it. Like, because he wouldn't go that far because he wants him to come back on the show. But, like, stuff like that didn't used to happen with Rodgers. It was more like, oh, he doesn't talk to his family because they all hate him. Like, sort of, like, gossip. But he was pretty quiet about it. And now he has become the gossip. It's, I mean, it's it's so different than, like, the stories of your guys, like, who've played with Tom Brady where, like, it seems so corny. You're like, it's got to be an act. But like, you know, the fact he introduces to be himself to like young players being like, hi, I'm Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's I like, hate it. That's such a charming that. anecdote. Like, right. like, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the, you know, I don't want to linger over it too much. Uh, is the, the is Tom Brady washed? I think that Bucks team was washed. I think so, too. I think that like, was just I think he's out of there. I think he is. What I want to happen is I, I want him to go to the Jets. The Jets need competent quarterback play. Uh, his family, what remains of it <laughs> that are talking to him are on the East Coast. Um, the Raiders make a lot of sense. But for like his family and stuff, I could I could imagine the Jets and like the idea that he could go like Brady's in his final years. Belichick is in his final years. Give me the most drama, which is that the Jets and the Patriots, or like Tom Brady himself <laughs> burying Belichick in the division. It, oh my God. Then it comes to some sort of Shakespearean end. Yes. Uh, where like they're both fighting to be a first round knockout in the wild card <laughs> <Yes>. round. <laughs> it's yes. Like, oh my God. Uh, I, I cannot... Apologies to Jets fans. I don't <laughs> think your uniform actually has stink on it. But at the same time, I can't imagine Tom Brady being on the, on the Jets. I just can't. His I options are weird, imagine. though. Like, the, the, you know, the Raiders also like a weird like the vibes are bad there. Too. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. Um, oh, I, I sorry. I just need to go back one second. Please. Uh, they happened between our shows. I think one of the saddest bits of this whole season, like this may have been worse than the fact this man just got divorced, was his whole like his whole like making it clear his whole game in San Francisco where he's showing like, hey, I love San Francisco mm-hmm. and I'm here and I'm ready to travel. And Brock Purdy and the Niners <laughs> just just smoke the Bucks completely. Just at, like every phase of the game, just pure destruction. Well, they and because they made like the a lot of like the pre-show ahead of that game was all oh, Brady. He bought tickets for his entire family. Like it's not, and they're not even in like box seats. They're in like normal seats. And, you know, he always wanted to play out here. Yeah, yeah. That has been you know the same with Rogers. Actually, they both have like. California connections, right? Uh, they both yeah. wanted to 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 be uh, drafted by the by the Forty Niners, um, and yeah, the fact that that's where it ended up. The, was, I agree, delightful. The, it ends up where the Niners are going to be like, no, nah, we're going to ride with Purdy for the foreseeable. <laughs> like, uh, it's good to see you, Tom. Well, that, but 
I mean, even you know, unrelated to Tom, it's like I don't know what they, I don't know what the 49ers do with Trey Lance next year. Like they're in a they're in a weird spot. They're gonna let Garoppolo go, right? Like they're not gonna hire him again. But you know, they traded two first round picks for a guy who hasn't played more than two games, hasn't really shown anything. Not for his own fault. He was essentially redshirted for the first year, um, and then you know uh, tore his ACL in yeah. you know a couple games into to this season. But he was also famously kind of a raw high upside player because they hadn't played for like a year prior to being drafted. So like we're, it's a long, you know, we're looking, you know, Deshaun Watson, like horrible person, but also you see what happens when you just don't play football for a couple of years. Like you can't just go away and come back and just pick up where you left off. And so yeah. where that leaves the, the 49ers as a franchise is really, really interesting. But I guess as long as you, keep training for players like Christian McCaffrey. I guess it, I guess it doesn't matter that that dude should be, you know, we, you know, we, we can get, we should get to and talking about what happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin, but like, it's wild to see something like what happened to DeMar Hamlin during the bills game in which on an otherwise innocuous play, something tragic happens to a player. And then you look at Christian McCaffrey who spends every play going, all right, time to bash. Like, I just feel like he just is ready to run into, not just ready, but does run into a brick wall. Every play gets up and is just like more, more, more. And I just, I have trouble, I have trouble squaring the two. But bodies are just built different. Shit happens. We might as well talk about the Hamlin situation and just injuries in general. Because that was a... It was a shocking episode uh, for people. I think pretty much everyone in the world listening to this is, is probably where, even if you don't follow football, like mm-hmm. uh, on a routine play uh, where nothing particularly notable seems to happen at all. It's a, it's a routine tackle. Uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, makes this tackle and he sort of absorbs a lot of the blow uh, center of his chest and collapses a second later uh, on, on the field and uh, they had to perform CPR for nine minutes. Uh, he was taken off in an ambulance. His heart had stopped. And what appears, what, what, what's happened since, uh, what, what's come out is basically, and this is just a terrifying thing to know about the human body, just mm-hmm. FYI. Apparently, anytime you have a hard blow to the center of the chest, over the heart, if it lands at the right place, more importantly, in the right like few millisecond window of your heart rhythm, it can cause immediate cardiac arrest. Uh, no matter how healthy you are, it can just that can just be a thing it's like that a light switch, yeah. And that is what happened to him. Uh, and actually, it happens to players. Uh, at, you know, in a lot of different sports. Uh, at it's all more. Levels, it's but that's why a it's, few times it, a year, right? Like I was uh, on the Hogan Johns podcast, the one of the Bears podcasts that you and I listened to. I believe it was. Uh, Adam John's talking about how his son, he's in like second grade, something like that, wears, he plays baseball and has an additional padding over the heart area, specifically because where these kinds of injuries are most common is in baseball and in hockey, where you're not wearing layers of padding traditionally, and you are playing with a, a small, extremely hard object that moves at fast speeds. Um and we don't think about injuries in those sports as being heart related because 
like, like, well, hockey, I guess you're moving a lot, but baseball is mostly stationary. And most times you're catching it with a, with a mitt or you're hitting it with a stick. Um, and, or even most of the time, if you do take those shots, you end up with a hell of a bruise. Right. Um, but that's it. Right. And so there are actually like, in, in football, you're wearing, you are wearing layers of equipment. Like he, you are not absorbing a blow to the heart in which there's nothing in between you and the blow in this case, like I think it was like T Higgins's helmet. He was the wide receiver catching the the ball yeah. in that play. And it was being tackled by DeMar Hamlin. Um, and so it makes for like a really, you know, it's obviously it was like, it was impossible not to look at what happened and then have the conversation that we we've had on this podcast. We, anyone that watches the sport and tries to rationalize in, in their head, how they like, root for enjoy um such a violent sport um but that it happened on something that isn't the like when we talk about when people imagine how does football end it's someone you know twisting their neck and dying on the field it is not a, a helmet like broadly speaking compared to the rest of football gently tapping somebody's chest the and most causing cardiac arrest. football yeah it's yes um it, that is stuff like that is so sobering because yes, I think um, a lot of times the the dread that attends these things is the spectacular injury where uh, you know a guy gets like you know where you get those horrific compound fractures that nearly kill people because they're just like uh, pinned in place and absorb a lot of hits. <laughs> Look up any it, play that was is part of a highlight tackling reel in like the seventies or eighties, <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that's the kind of play that we, they've tried to get out of the game now. Uh, or like a lot of those, like, again, you know, 80s and 90s, uh, your sort of spectacular receiver plays where guys mm-hmm. get like hit and flipped up over the down. middle. Right. Yeah. yeah the tight end plays. Uh, and but there's still risk of those spectacular injuries because you still like there still are a lot of positions where guys are are like they're elevating, they're fully extended. There's a lot of risk for for things to go horrifically wrong. And I think a lot of people brace themselves for like that fear, that stuff that can happen. Uh, the the uh, Hamlin situation was was kind of startling because it was the thing that like comparatively is not viewed as a risk at all. Um, you know, nearly n- nearly killing this guy uh, on on the field. Um, I think, you know, the, the, well, do you want to read this question about it? Uh, sure. You, you yeah. Pull this, uh, this comes in from, uh, Antonio, uh, do the frequent injuries in the NFL ever turn you off the sport or make it tough to stomach and be a fan? I'll never forget when I saw Luke Keekley take a hit so hard, he began uncontrollably crying and it really stuck with me. Luke Keekley was a linebacker for, yeah, I think seven or eight years for the, the, uh, Carolina Panthers, extremely, good player, uh, but uh, someone in which they suffered, I think a two alike, you know, like three concussions in a, uh, either in a single season or like pretty close to one another. And there was a moment in which the, the, the last one, last concussion they uh, kind of took that essentially resulted, uh, you know, had them retiring later that I think the thought was that maybe the concussion like actually caused them to like physically cry because they were unable to control themselves similar to, what is it that happened to Tua? I forget the actual like terminology for when like the hands stiffen and shake um, when he, when he took that second concussion, but similar sort of like kind of brain trauma. 
Anyway, uh, Antonio continues. Uh, what used to be just frustration about injuries tanking my fantasy season has turned into me occasionally thinking, why the fuck am I voluntarily watching CTEs in the making? I'm actually typing uh, this just a bit after seeing the Bills' Dane Jackson take a traumatic shot to the head on Monday Night Football, and now we've all lived through watching a live cardiac arrest unfold in the field. And meanwhile, every commercial break is a chance to see more cringy NFL ads that paint the league as progressive agents for change, not the actual money-hungry, exploitative capitalists they actually are, because that's what so much marketing is these days, of course. Do you find yourselves often comp- compartmentalizing things as fans? Also, how do you feel about letting kids play football slash not play football as a parent or non-parent? Fuck capitalism and fuck the NFL for being minutes away from forcing the Bills and Bengals to get back out there and play after someone nearly died. Thank you, uh, Antonio. You know, the the thing that has stuck with me a lot in reading and listening to a lot of ex-players discuss this was uh, Dominique Foxworth on Mina Mm -hmm. Kimes' podcast, either the week of or the week after or shortly after the, the event occurred at the, at the Bills Bengals game. And it's worth just go listen to that segment. But like to like summarize, it was these players aren't stupid, especially when they get to this level. Like they know they're in a violent sport. They like being in the violent sport. A lot of the conversation that fans have with themselves, all the discourse around like, are we complicit? And it's like, yeah, you are. But the thing that should actually change is DeMar Hamlin is not a star player. He's a sixth round pick, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. was on a different team, came to the Bills. While people were donating millions and millions of dollars to his charity, um, uh, you know, like for, you know, kind of a Toys for Tots sort of situation, like that's great. But with if he was, if he never plays again, if he uh, doesn't uh, step on the field, like, there's no retirement for him from the NFL. He already wasn't making anything. Like the true, like one of those revealing parts about this entire episode is not as an audience, how do less so how, the audience, how do we wrestle with our complicit nature in a violent sport that makes a lot of money off the violent sport, but is the people who are participating in it should be rewarded more equitably for the risk they are putting into that. And that is the thing that still like will not change. That's a union driven thing that has to be negotiated in a contract. But um, that, that was really eye opening to me was learning how little DeMar Hamlin would have gotten uh, had things gone really, really wrong. Now this is, this became a world story. Like he will get taken care of. Right. But not, you know, more innocuous or seemingly innocuous, less, traumatic looking injuries yeah less drama dramatic looking injuries happen to players who are like when we talk about the mr irrelevance or the uh the undrafted players that get signed those guys have their like careers ruined uh maybe because of an injury maybe because they weren't talented enough but regardless they put their bodies on the line and then it's just over and they have to live with those injuries for the rest of their lives and that's what I've just continued to think about through all this. I think all that I'm not trying to dismiss how you should feel as a fan. Like those are all, but I feel like some of that's like really well-trodden territory. And I've sort of a part of the reason we did this pie is like, I've sort of, I've settled my feelings yeah. on that. Like I'm accepting it for what it is. And what I'd rather advocate for is better conditions for the players who are making broadly at this level, making a choice on their own to participate in this um it's why i'm glad like things like nil like where there are players who are gonna, who are not going to even go to the draft 
um, until later because they can make a shitload of money, not NFL money, but also there's players who are never going to make NFL money, but they can make good, like, like really good money for their families and the future of their families by staying in college and getting paid and cashing in um, from the local benefactors. Every, everywhere has its car dealerships. A hundred percent. And it's like, if you can make that at your dinky little college because they love football, but you're never going to make it to one of the 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah, that's cool. Like take the money. Uh, college still pay them. But uh, yeah, I think like, I'm very much in the same boat where for a while there, I was sort of wringing my hands about it a little bit. And I think one thing that changed me, it changed it for me is like, because I was getting more interested in football again, I started like listening to a lot more players. I was hearing mm-hmm. their perspective a lot. And I think it was real easy for the conversation to get well-meaning, but also deeply condescending to players and like yeah. the, the, the agency they have and the choices they make uh, to go into this eyes open. Like, I don't want like, yes, you can't downplay the fact that like there's an element of. There are a, a lot of football players do not have better avenues to make this kind of money this quickly in their lives. But that's true of tons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not many people in any walk of life have the the ability to make this kind of money uh, in a few years. Uh, and then if you get extended into like a like as a free agent, make a lot of money uh, at a position. And so there are there there's a lot of agency that I that I think gets lost in that conversation around this. Uh, and it's and it's not even just that guys are running this risk because they're hoping to cat. They're hoping they're, they're holding onto a winning lottery ticket and they're going to cash it in to your point. Like even knowing all the risks and yes, like being scared to play the game. Sometimes a lot of players, most players kind of also love this game and love the life that goes with it. Um, And so like that kind of, that kind of changed my my feelings about it a little bit because it turned it into a like the people who run the risk and uh like devote their lives to this are not they're they're going into this with with their eyes open uh and for all that like there are costs on the back back end of it and there are there are risks being run uh there is that like same love of sport uh, that, that animates this. I think the other, you know, the other part of this is, uh, like sport, there's, there's a lot of sports that are dangerous. Like I come from a motorsports background as well. Like, um, you know, when my dad watched motor racing, multiple people would die a year, uh, because it was so much more dangerous. And then, you know, when I was watching it for a number of years, it was like once every five or 10 years, you might see, uh, a horrific accident where where somebody doesn't come out of it, and I've been listening to a lot of interviews with with guys from the old days of F one where where cars were basically like you know bombs on wheels, and once again you run into you run into this reality of everyone knows it was scary, it's dangerous, and they loved it and they wouldn't they wouldn't take it back, um, and so like. There is that element of of complicity, but I think for me that the, the one of the keywords there is also compartmentalization. I don't compartmentalize in that right. way. Like, like I think actually that might actually be the the less honest thing. Right. Like I'm, I when 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 Demar Hamlin went down, I was supposed to be helping put my wife put our kids to bed, and 
she thought maybe something was happening in the game and was like, okay, like, you know, watch the the play or whatever. But like, clearly nothing was happening. I was just standing in front of the TV and she asked me what happened. And I got kind of choked up explaining. I was like, I think someone just died on the, on the field. That was like my, that's where my head went to immediately. And like feeling that like was important. Like I wasn't compartmentalizing the violence. I was like, I saw it. I was feeling it. And and then reading about, like you said, like yeah. reading players' response to it, ex-players' responses to it, like that's how I – it's not compliment. It's like it's understanding the sport more fully and yeah. everything that goes into it and realizing what are the weak points in the sport so that these folks who do slip through the cracks or can slip through the cracks, how are they – like if – for the person who's not DeMar Hamlin, who's not going to get a standing ovation when they come to the field for having an injury, yeah. like – how are they being taken care of where they are going to get support for themselves, like their family, both, you know, economically, psychologically, when they cannot return to the game? Um, yeah. And that's what should change. Um, and, and, you know, it's still like there are tweaks you can still make to the game. But fundamentally, football is violent and it will never not be violent. And I, so I think like the hand wringing over all of that at a certain point. They just don't watch the game. And that's fine. Like, I don't blame anyone who says yeah. this isn't for me. Like, it's too much. I do think it's too exploitative. I can't I can't work it out. And I th- I think that is a more fair place to come down than, like you said, treating the players at times condescendingly about the choices they're making and the actions that they're choosing to participate well, in the sport. And I just rather we see the it's like the, there's all this money. Let's take care of the players that that need it, especially the ones who exist on the margins, who are on the practice squad, who are the third backup. Um, and that's something that I think is one of the biggest lessons from the Hamlin saga. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and that like it, that is an entirely separate conversation of why hasn't the union been able to ring these sorts? Of, like, why are why is all the risk in NFL contracts borne by the players? It's yeah. absurd on its face that like the guys who run all the risk bear all the risk on the contracts for like if things go bad then you just lose money and the team like loses nothing yeah well, i mean yeah go like, just go, look you know google uh you know guaranteed for injury right like that's like separate <laughs> provisions in a contract none of, none of it's guaranteed <laughs> unless um, you get it guaranteed and like the the labor reasons for that are uh myriad like it, this comes up every time there's negotiation we like that is a different podcast yeah. conversation, but yeah, I think for me it is, I've sort of like attained a, a certain like comfort level with the compromise of being a fan of things like the NFL and football. Um, and the thing that, the thing that I think probably grates uh, a little bit more is. So in motor racing, usually when they say like never again or we're going to work on like eliminating like this this issue that caused a a horrific disaster, usually that's true. Like usually it's almost like um like if something really bad bad happens in a lot of a lot of motor racing, it's almost like when a when a passenger liner goes down and like the you know NTSB investigates the shit out of it. Similar thing happens there. And they will they will change courses. They will like they they've got multiple like tiers of like uh, impact uh, like fencing uh, to absorb blow to keep like cars safe. The NFL tries to sometimes pretend they can do similar things. Like remember a few years ago when CTE was really coming to the fore of public consciousness, you saw a lot of pieces about like, but can we engineer a helmet that eliminates that? And the answer is no. 
The answer is no, we can't. Uh, say, like, there's a lot of injuries in the NFL that like you're not going to you are not you are you are probably not going to come up with some sort of piece of person like uh, PPE that a player can wear that it's going to prevent a lot of these injuries. No, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I welcome to the changes to like the kickoff rules that make them far less common because I thought that was an you know a scenario in which the data's you know sh- borne out that the most injuries were not happening on these spectacular plays, yeah. but in an instance in which players are running full speed at a guy running downhill, like yeah, that 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 on its face, yeah, of course that is going to get a lot of players, and those are always the most marginalized players on a roster. They are yeah. like they are always like. There are there are players on football teams that are on what is called special teams. Occasionally, you'll get like a Tyree Kill or someone out there who's like a wide receiver that's going to take that ball back. But most of the time, special teams players are just there to be rocks that get knocked into one another. You're not getting paid very well. You're only doing these kickoff returns. Um, it's it's it is about as thankless as you get on on a football team. And I think inevitably the game is headed to like basically eliminating that stuff. Like. Uh, uh, I, I don't think it would I, I like when you watch a guy rip off a 60 yard return. Yeah. It's exciting. I don't think the game loses all that much if you waved a wand and just got rid of it. Um, but I thought that when you're, you're talking about how does the sport become like more palatable and safer, like it's stuff like that. It's like you're not eliminating hits like you're not eliminating players playing the sport they've trained their whole lives to be good at. But you are eliminating like one in which we like a, it doesn't. It doesn't fundamentally change the game and was causing egregious harm in a way that was easy to like, look, let's just make it harder for people to kick it off. And if they choose to kick it off, they're taking a risk. And um, I I thought that was like a fair change that doesn't solve the sport. But there's like you said, there's no solving it. Yeah, Um, I do think one thing that we, you know, it'll look goofy as hell, but there is that body of evidence that suggests those little um fuzzy helmet things that they mm-hmm. wear in training camp. the mushroom helmets they wore them yep. they wore them uh, a lot during uh practice this summer yep uh there's there's a body of evidence that suggests like <laughs> those will actually do a lot because it's the hard surface to hard surface thing right uh that makes a lot of these injuries uh really bad especially for the head well it's, um, it's Tua, right like before yeah. we go to break it's probably like worth you know this is an instance in which there's almost a, a question over you know we were just talking about like don't be condescending to players like let players make their own agency but Tua has had three, like, really serious concussions in a single season. Now, a lot of players have lots of concussions, and you talk to any ex-players, and they're like, yeah, there's tons of just, like, they didn't catch it. Or, like, I managed yep. to futz my way through the, the the psych exam, you know, the exam they do on the sidelines. And that that's, like, we know that. Um, but it's like, at a certain point, you know, when is it, like, from the, do- like, the as, as a sport uh, or, like, an organization like the Dolphins, like, if Tua comes to you next year and says, I want to play, at what point is it like irresponsible to let this is a young player at the beginning of their career who's had a bunch of like there you're not players are not more inclined to get a concussion. This is a this this is just a series of like shitty events that has happened to this one player. Um they've fallen in specific ways. But I do think it raises like real questions about like if he comes back and says, I want to play, like at, at what point is that irresponsible to even allow that person onto the football field again? I'm glad they didn't at, you know, however it was orchestrated, whether it was uh, just through the actual protocols they have for the, the concussion uh, stuff uh, now that meant he never was able to reach the field for the playoffs. 
because if he's on that field and was reasonably competent, there's a good chance that he could have led them to victory. That's a real question that hangs over that game, but he shouldn't have been on that field. And I just don't know what, I don't know what you do about uh, something like that going, going forward. Cause there's not like a rule where, Hey, four concussions, like strike, you're out, you know, like you can't play football anymore. But at a certain point, you're sort of letting someone's youthful nature take advantage of like they're robbing, robbing their own future. And no. I don't I don't know what you do with that. No. And especially again, like um, there's, there's a bit of that, but also there's like. If Tua could stay healthy, Tua stands a chance to ge- create like generational wealth uh, for himself and his family. Like, that's a, yes. that is that is the other huge incentive. Like he didn't just have a, he didn't have just have a good year. He was having a great year. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's going to be the twin poles of like, of course there's a pole to do the thing that you excel at. Like it's, it's all happening. It's all coming together. The thing you thought you could be in college, you, you are proving, uh, after a long delay to be that guy, uh, and, and everything is open for you. And then these God, goddamn concussions. Um, that is, that is a tough thing to navigate. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where, Yeah, I like you know. For me, my inclination is like, for, like I you would have to be pretty pretty egregious for me not to think the player should still ultimately like right in consultation with medical experts like who, right. who actually like are his people, not like a team right. doctor, but like if like. But also, aren't his people going to be inclined to? I mean, that's what that's just what makes it such a difficult thing. Well, that's like, the thing. Like you know, a doctor, like probably like a doctor would uh, like if he's talking to a neurologist, a, the, like that neurologist would probably say, "I don't think you <laughs> don't should play, play football, football again." <laughs> right. I don't think you should play football. Okay, but can I play football? Right. Yes, but right. and like yeah. and and that's and, and that and that's really tricky. Um, yeah, I think the thing that might. You know the, the the thing that might sort of uh, you know save him from from those uh, motivations and the pressures and interests to keep him playing is the fact that at this point he is clearly at greater risk of being taken out of the lineup for an extended period uh, right. and and so like can he be like I I think if you're Miami for instance uh, looking down the road with him you kind of have to. Every team needs to consider what what do we have going for us if our quarterback goes down. With Miami, it's more pointed uh, because now I think you have a duty to be more cautious with him. So it's mm-hmm. got to be like you can't do what they did earlier in this year where they let him shake off the they sh- shake off the cobwebs or whatever yes. and continue playing concussed. And the next week it's thrown to the turf. And by the way, in both cases, it was the ground. Like the, the, the two like major concussions here uh, this year were both like fundamentally the thing that generates a lot of a lot of like the head trauma for players like that is not the hits. It's 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 the fall. And um, th- that is, you know, in theory, the the rule that everyone hates. And believe me, it frustrates me just as much as anyone else for how it's called, especially given that Justin Fields seemed like he would never get these calls. But it is when they don't want the player going in for the sack to put the full weight of their body on a player as they go down, because that's where a lot of that trauma comes yeah. from as they come back and their their neck and head ricochets off of yeah. the turf. Um, and so it's it's meant from a place to try and reduce some of that stuff, which is why you constantly see like a Khalil Mack or somebody like just ready to destroy a player. And then they let the, the ball rip and then they, they're doing their best to like 
see their hands go up and they're like just trying to get around a guy to to prevent something something like that happening. Yeah. And so you I mean you're right. Like on one hand I can't say let the players make the decisions they want. Um but at the same time watching what's happened to a like it, 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 that's where it starts escalating to the point of well, I guess they, they they just need more, you know, hopefully this is illustrative of like more stringent regulations in terms of how concussions are handled so that you can save, you can still let players work in consultation with medical professionals to make a decision that is hopefully fully informed uh, of their own agency, but that you're also trying to prevent a player from making a catastrophic mistake and also stopping teams from making catastrophic mistakes under the motivation of get back out there, Tiger, um, like go well, in, go in the game. And that's the thing, like. You know, for all that it was, the Tua situation made it seem like the whole process is a joke, and then I'd learn more about it. And the process is not a joke. Like the it's not, no. the concussion protocol and the evaluation stuff, like all this is pretty pretty real. Like they do it, they they are pretty proactive about trying to catch the stuff. But I think fundamentally they are in a framework of uh what they are trying to what they are screening for is like false negatives, where it's like, oh, it looks like this person may have gotten concussed. Uh, let's see whether or not we can actually like, can we actually prove they got concussed? Well, it's not and a blood test, right? Like there's no, can, yeah. uh, it's, there's no COVID strip that like says you're concussed, you know, and it's probably why probably the, the, the rubric should probably be no, actually, unless we can sort of be pretty persuasively shown that there is no concussion here, uh, then you're not, you're not cleared. Uh, right. and at which point the, the, the whole thing becomes much more about like, and it will it will piss off players. It will piss off coaches. It will piss off fans a little bit because you will see star players pull out of games early. Right. And it's like, maybe you'll be back next week. We will need to do an evaluation later uh, after they've had a couple days between that hit and, uh, you know, and, and a test. Yep. Like, that's probably what the the most cautious version of this looks like rather than what they've got right now, which is a. OK, can we confirm there is uh, some sort of like head trauma or, or concussion here in play? Because, yeah, like you said, you kind of can't in the, the compressed time period of a football game. You kind of can't get a definitive answer uh, about that, except in cases where like there are major immediately obvious imp- impairments. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take uh, a quick break. Uh, if you're listening to this on Waypoint Plus, then you just get some charming little music uh, and then we'll, we'll come back for uh, the back half of the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, not only plus in the main feed, you know, you could, do you want, do you want to listen to the charming music? Then go to waypointplus.com and sign up. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. And we're back. All right, Rob, I'm going to pull us out of this with a delightful story. Um, I uh, was at, uh, in, in sometime in, you know, like late December, my wife's uh, company Christmas party. They had somebody that was supposed to 
do like the check-in stuff so you could get like a parking pass to to people and and check off like how many people were coming in and all that sort of stuff. That person got sick, um, couldn't make it, um, and so I volunteered to my wife. Uh, hey, I'll I'll do it. Like I, especially because of COVID, like I don't know most of the people you work with, and so it's like I just feed me some beers for 90 minutes and I will, I will sit here and, and do that whole thing. So I'm sitting there, you know, taking things off. And, uh, the, uh, the party was at the Chicago, I think it's the Chicago sports museum. I forget the full name. Um, it's, it's downtown. Um, it's in part of this mall, but it's got a bunch of like cool, you know, different memorabilia for the the bulls, the bears and, you know, different, it's neat to walk through and there's a restaurant attached and, uh, a, uh, uh, Harry Carey bar that's right next to it. So it's like a neat place to go and it's not too far from, from soldier field. Uh, and so I'm checking through the list. I'm wrapping up, getting ready to go, go in so I can actually eat dinner. Um, and this, uh, very charming, uh, woman, I see her like trying to poke her head and I was like, Oh, are you with, you know, the, 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 the party or and she's like, Oh no, no, no. Um, uh, and you have to imagine this is all with a, a British accent, by the way. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sit here and tell us the story and butcher a British accent. But um, I was like, oh, no, my wife's family part or uh, company party is in there. Um, like, our, you know, but of course I heard the, the, uh, the you know, the accent was like, so, uh, she, oh, she, I, crucially, she was wearing a bear's like hat. I'm like, so <laughs> I was like, you must like, have like your husband or uh, partner must uh, like be a Chicago sports fan. And that's why you're here. And, uh, she goes, she goes, yes. Uh, and she points over to the person next to her and there's her husband. Uh, and I'm expecting to hear some sort of Midwest accent, uh, out of this man's mouth. And no, it is just another British accent. And I'm like two and a half beers in where I just kind of put my hand in my hands and I'm like, buddy, I'm looking at the both. I'm like, what do you, <laughs> why are you wearing bears? Like, and he's all, he's like me. Like he's decked he's, out. He's decked out. He's got the sweatshirt, the hat. And he's like, oh, well, we hope we were, you know, we're, we're in town. And I was like, what are you in town for? He's like, I'm a huge Bears fan. I was like, why are you a Bears fan? And I was like, why would, of all the franchises to pick, why, why, why do this to yourself? And it was just when they, he said that when they started playing NFL games out uh, at one of the stadiums, I think Tottenham stadium was one of the ones they started playing at. Uh, the, the the season that he started paying attention to that was the Bears coming out for you remember the Cleo Mac revenge game where like oh, oh this Patrick, I'm never going to forget that piece of shit yeah it was oh god that was so fucking embarrassing um and so he just randomly chose to become a Bears fan because of that it stuck Rob I had a conversation with this person the same way that you and I talk about the nuances of the Bears like he knew coordinators it was incredible and so my semi-drunk state i sat up and declared you're coming in to look at the museum and so i just brought them into this corporate party and like caught my wife i was like these two people are sports fans from from england i'm going to show them all of the stuff and she was oh okay well they're fine they're already in here i suppose and like i took them through um and it was delightful. Um, they were going to Soldier Field to to see uh, the Bears uh, play. I think it was the Eagles uh, that weekend. Uh, they were going to do like a behind the scenes thing at Soldier Field. And like at the end, they were very insistent that uh, if me and my family wanted to come and see a game, because they were very close to where uh, the the games are uh, your Tottenham Field, like 
you can stay with us. We've got room for you and your kids. And I was like, did I just make a best friend? Am I going to the UK to go see some NFL game at Tottenham Stadium next year? Um, and it was just so, so funny. And I, I bring that up other than it being a delightful story. But we also got some follow-up um, from Stuart in Perth. Uh, Hi, Robin Patrick. Stuart, the Australian Vikings fan here. I wasn't expecting the existential crisis that would be triggered in me. And Rob said, quote, you could have chosen anyone. In regards to your question as how I ended up as a Vikings fan, I wish I could say I lived in America for a while or fell in love with a woman from Minnesota. But no, the story is much simpler. And frankly, it's aged like milk. A bit of background. NFL games only ended up on television, non-cable TV in Australia around 2009, 2010, when digital TV came in. There was a dedicated sports channel called One. So that was how I first got to see NFL games. Some friends were uh, getting into the NFL, but they supported the big teams, Dallas, New England. So I decided to find a different team. I had figured out that I didn't like the Packers, so the Vikings made sense. What also piqued my interest was that Minnesota had acquired Green Bay's former quarterback. Yup, Brett Favre was one of the reasons I got to be a Vikings fan. It just so happened this was one of his one good season there. The other exciting player that got me on board, Adrian Peterson. On <laughs> site being what it is. And now having a little more context than I did back then, part of me wishes I picked uh, the Detroit Lions or the, or the Chicago Bears. That being said, watching the Minneapolis Miracle happen live at 9 a.m. in the morning is one of my top sporting memories of my life. Thank you for listening to my ramble. Cheers, Stuart from Perth, which is... <laughs> Oh my god! I I, I, I mean, and and I, I love both of those stories because <clears throat> they are just instances of people just arbitrarily picking a team and cursing themselves in the process, and they don't have to back; they can back out of it. It's not like a birthright the way it was yep. for you and I. It is just, but there is such joy in the arbitrary nature yes. of it, right? And I think that's something that's difficult to understand if you don't experience it yourself. But as much as I hate the Bears, I love hating the Bears. Like, it's it's part of my identity. And the ups and downs and the randomness of it all is frankly part of the appeal. Yeah, it's... Uh, I find that so charming when people are like, I'm going to invest in a, in, in a fandom despite not having the natural, like, there is no here is why I have the... Like, there is no, I grew up here and I'm I'm close to this team. It was just... I'm gonna ride. For, I'm gonna ride or die for this team. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing I sympathize with is like it's so funny because I think you always end up. You shouldn't have to feel like there was no way. No way anyone could have known that for as amazing as Adrian Peterson was to watch when he was at his prime, and he was amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there were not like monstrous elements of his character behind that but that's just like that's not on the field and i think like uh, a thing that you know this is true of all walks of life but like this this is so like deeply rooted in, in us uh like i think as people to try to think well because someone is really good at a thing that must also mean they have like moral virtue as a person and it just doesn't it doesn't no. correlate it has nothing to do with it uh, like bad people can create great art or be amazing at sports and just it it rolls that way. Uh, and so, you know, I think, again, <laughs> this is like you can't compartmentalize that where it's like, uh, you know, I want like because I want to root for this person. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure they're cool. It's like 
you kind of are like, I love watching this person. I hope it turns out. I hope that enjoyment is not tainted uh, at some point by knowing uh, like more about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we ended up talking a lot about the NF more generally, but um, probably because they became increasingly more irrelevant as that final stretch. Like it wouldn't have been that fun to talk about the Bears in, from week 13 through, <laughs> through the end of the season. They which- did not make uh, nine and eight. No, Rob, yeah, Rob, our, um, yeah, but there's a good, we didn't have to, we don't have to revisit, uh, you know, no one needs to go back and extract any clips of, of predictions. That said, you know, if I'm doing an analysis of the season, I genuinely could not be happier. Well, I could be. I wish the, the Chase Claypool trade, trade didn't seem like a huge fuck up and give away an extremely high second round draft pick. So there, there are definitely missteps along the way. But to end up with the number one pick in the draft in a season that should have been a depressing slog, as most number one picks in the draft seasons are, and yet I experienced some of the highest highs I have ever had watching this team, and that guarantees nothing for the future. Having a number one draft pick, having the most money in free agency, those are usually signs of bad things happening with your franchise. And there's Patrick, no if you were here right now after this recording, I'd be like, you want to watch that Patriots game again? Yes! You want to yes! just crack open a couple do you want, do you want to and watch the Patriots game? Do you want to watch the Bears show respect to Bill Belichick of not putting 40 points on them in a game they were being completely dominated the second quarter on? Because if you remember, they were at the goal line and just kneeled it when they could have just sent Montgomery out. To like get the last couple of yards and put them up uh, uh, 40 points. They basically did it out of respect for Bill Belichick. And like we're so far from those those moments, but they did happen and they were amazing. And I I don't know that I'm like optimistic about the future as much as I don't know what's going to be written next for this team. And that's really exciting. I just don't know what the future and like literally anything could happen, Rob. And that's different than how I felt out of coming out of different seasons up or down for this team. So I am, I am so curious what the future holds. I'm also like, there's a lot of, uh, well, they had a lot of, lot of dead wood to clear out. They had a lot of damage to repair and I get all that, but at the same time, yes, you got things like the chase Claypool thing. You've got Roquan Smith going to Baltimore and everyone, the NFL media being like, my God, this, this, this guy is elite. This look at, look at the, <laughs> look what happens when a, when a generate, when a, like an extremely good player goes to a, a team worth a damn. It's like, wow, suddenly he's on the all pro. He was not going to be on the all pro team had he stuck around on the bears. But like, there's that, that part of it too, where it's like, yes, like he was playing some odd hardball with them. They played hardball with him and like, you know, he'd never fit their ideal system. But at the same time, like, there's always a little part of me. It's also like you have a, a player that's good. Who the fuck cares about your system? You know what I mean? They're like there's a little bit of that. Like this was the story with like Negi in the fucking quarterback position of like, well, no, like I've got my vision for how all this should work. Well, you got to be able to make it work with, uh, you know, elite players. Uh, however, however they come across to you. Um, and that certainly kind of was the case with uh, Fields with, with that like lost year. So I don't know. Like I'm still there's like 
there's a lot of goodwill. I think this comes from like coming to the end of the Negi, uh, you know, pace era. Even Fields alone, right? I don't yeah. think we learned. I, I, you know, I'll give Poles credit for recognizing the team for what it was. Like this is, I think Nagy and, uh, you know, uh, Pace could have bought themselves. What they should have done when they drafted Fields was recognize what the team was and stripped it that season. It's yes. like, oh my God, I cannot believe we lucked into Justin Fields. Let's reset the clock, like fully, like trade away Khalil Mack for like higher assets than we got a year later. Like trade, Instead, like do- maybe we can, maybe we can launch Andy Dalton through our Super Bowl window. Exactly. Like it was just such like, uh, you know, we're not privy to the conversations you're having with ownership, but it's like, I feel like they should, what they should have sold them on. If you know, I'm glad they're gone. I think that was, you know, uh, I'm glad they're not on the team, but like, I recognized when Fields got drafted, I was like, okay, let's suck. Like, it's time to have a really bad year, and let's see what happens next year. And instead, they muddled their way forward, and at least Poles understood, you know, we'll see how this Roquan Smith stuff looks. You know, the Mac trade was good. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that stuff was off our books. I'm glad he had a, you know, I feel bad for his season, how his season ended with the Chargers, but um, I think that stuff was, he understood where the team needed to go, yes. and it, you needed to have a year from hell to get there and a year. And, and, and so we had the year from hell that doesn't mean he'll make the good choices about like by putting the bricks down to get out of that. But it does put them in a position that I've wanted them to be in for like, there's nothing Robert Mays, who's like this NFL writer I followed for a long time. He, he, he hosts uh, or co-hosts a lot of the uh, uh, main athletic uh, football show stuff. Um, I, I sort of fell for football on a deeper level listening to him and uh, Bill Barnwell have their podcast at Grantland uh, many years back. And he, the last piece he wrote for the ringer before he went to the athletic was this hyper indulgent piece about the bears. That was about purgatory. And it's like, what does it mean to be a franchise that's going to win seven, eight or nine games every year and be completely irrelevant because you're unable to recognize what your team actually is and there's so much money to go around that you can always pay enough players to make to make it survivable. Like the NFL is built along having mediocrity as the baseline and a handful of teams that are truly good, which has never been more true than this season. I think like there are just a couple of really good teams and a lot of shit, um, even if the wild card ended up having exciting games, despite that being like broadly a tr- true throughout the season. And so for the Bears to bottom out is at least <laughs> looking in yes. the mirror and being like, we needed to bottom out. And the thing is, number one, teams that get the number one pick are usually like the 0-16 Lions, uh-huh. in which they are a laughing stock. You are never seeing them on a highlight reel. Like, we've watched, you know, we, in that like five or six week stretch that was like a peek into a window of a different place, um, in which Fields was just willing this team to be interesting and dynamic. Um, we got to have that season and also... Like the most lucrative thing you can have, which is the number one pick that hopefully they'll trade back to the Colts for the number four pick and a, and a bevy of shit. And then, you know, the, the team could be set for a number of years and we'll just have to see if that happens. But it's at least a different path than the Bears yes. have gone down from one season to the next. And so I don't know if it's good, but it's different. And in the place it's that true. we're in have been in, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what? You're right. For a number of years, the Bears have been managed like that conversation where we are drunkenly talking ourselves up to a nine and eight playoff berth. Yeah. Like that was how, that was how pace evaluated the team of uh, being like, you know, 
crack open number three here. You know, if we just got an old steady hand here to run this offense, I think we really got something. Uh, I can't name our receivers right now, but like, you know, I think that's because we just don't have that quarterback. These guys are going to pop. And that was kind of, you're right. That is kind of how they were managed. And the fact that the Bears looked deeply within themselves and were like, we are nowhere. The only question that matters is if Fields is the guy. Uh, and that, that's been answered, though. Patrick, I keep seeing little discussions of, well, now that he's sort of proven to be this really interesting, uh, possibly the the best prospect out of that draft, um, you know, or or at least the number two, he becomes an interesting thing that you could possibly deal. Uh, now, I think the problem with that is you'd be dealing yourself back into the chaos lottery of the quarterback world. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we live in a world where Brock Purdy turned out to be a pretty all right quarterback. And we can say, like, yeah, that's a lot of that's the Shanahan magic. But at the same time, like. Picking quarterbacks is this weird, like there's such a huge variance in terms of like how it all works out. And so I think having just having some decent answers about what Fields is, we don't know what a ceiling is going to be, but we get some good answers about like, what does the lower end now of Fields look like? It's still pretty fucking good. And and if you can survive two years like this with your character intact the way that he seems to have. That shows like like a foundational core to a player that surrounded with better things, good things can come. Like he's had a shitty two years. I, 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 you know, my my guess is they were pretty honest with him about like what the second year was going to be like. The first year was a disaster for totally different reasons because of just awful coaching and a misunderstanding of what kind of player he was. And that even extended to the first couple of games of like this season, right? Like it, I mean, they didn't let him start running like. He was 100 yards shy of the all-time quarterback rushing record, which is held by Lamar Jackson for a single season to, you know, and he didn't play the last game. He basically had no gas left in the tank against the Lions. Like there was very clearly a run that he took where he like leaned up some of camera equipment and he kind of saw his soul leave his body. He wasn't injured, but it's just like he's done. Like he's 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 gave his all for all of these games and there's just nothing left to give. But had they let him run even just a tiny little bit in those, like, first six games, he doesn't just break that record. Like, it's never getting touched again, right? Like, even Lamar Jackson is never going to touch that that record uh, again. Like, he's too old now, even though he's extremely young Um, and who will probably be on a different team next season. I sure sure get the sense he's not going back uh, to the Ravens. But, uh, yeah, I'm... I think there is a five, five to 10% chance. Like if we run through the multiverse of bears trades, there's a world where they look at like a Bryce young and say, let's reset the clock truly. And then we trade fields for two first round picks and give him to the jets or somebody like that. I think it's possible, but it would be such an unpopular, like, I don't think, you know, I watch these games with a lot of bears fans and People fucking love this guy. Like, it would be catastrophic to trade him away unless you were 100% sure. Like, you are going to be more forgiven if Fields doesn't pan out, but you keep going with him than rolling the dice on someone else and watching Fields be electric for some other team that's a little more fully, fully formed. Um now, I think he should make the like Paul should make the decision that 
he thinks he should make. And if that's unpopular with me and he looks at Bryce Young and I'm not a quarterback evaluator, you know, I, I don't watch college tape. Um, he should do it right. He should do what's best for the franchise. But I, it's very hard for me to imagine them going down that path. I think what is most likely is if you watch the, the, the Colts year end press conference, um, <laughs> Jim Ursay looks strung out and he's done with these veteran quarterbacks and there was a question they gave to Chris Ballard, their GM, that was like something along the lines of, would you trade up for a quarterback if you believe in him? And the line that I think is going to be sitting on like every Bears fan's ears for the next like couple of months as this kind of saga plays out is he more or less said, I would move heaven and earth to get the quarterback that I wanted. And it's like, buddy, like come come up to number one. Like we're, we're happy to do business. And also, Rob, we... We have we have completely not managed to talk about all of this without pointing out the fact that Lovey Goddamn Smith is the one who gave us the number one pick. There was a moment where and I, I I shared with you the photos and videos of this where we had I was watching the game with my neighbor. And we had the the Bears Viking game uh, up on on the TV um, so that uh, our our wives uh, could also watch it. But then we had the uh, the the. Uh, the the Texans uh, Colts game on my iPad, and at a certain point, him and I started cheering because there was a like really cheering because there was like a late Texans <laughs> touchdown, and his wife turns over and is like, "What are you guys cheering at?" I was like, "Oh, we're cheering for this other game because it influences the draft pick," and just got up and just walked away. I was like, "This is disgusting." Like, I love the Bears, but you guys are complete degenerates. It was like just disgusted. I was like, "It's true." It's no, true, we, it's true. We like, this is really Deborah We live here. in the future now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, uh, the way that's all shaken out is, is incredible. Like, we, like, that for once we are in the position now to make somebody trade up for their Trubisky. Yes. Yes, please, please come get, come get CJ Stroud. Um, and the last note before we get to, to some questions, uh, and work ourselves out of here, um, the Bears are on the short list of teams that would be uh, in line for hard knocks next year. They qualify. Um, and Rob, I want it. I want it. I don't care. These like, does, does hard knocks create like a bad, is it bad to see that culture? Like, I want to see it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to live. I am ready to see the behind Didn't the hurt scenes. the Lions, any? No. No. If Let, me anything, in. Let me like, in. They, they were giving, they were making themselves, they were giving themselves their own bulletin board fodder um and i i I want it like like the the bears are about to spend uh the most amount of cap space a team has ever spent in free agency because what's interesting in in the nfl is that there's not only a uh a cap on what you can spend there's a floor that you have to spend it is it is part of how they get around passive tanking which will happen in like the in, in in baseball a lot in which franchises will just not spend on players uh and the nfl you have to spend x amount of money of what you're taking in so it's it's what leads to like the across the board mediocrity because even bad teams are forced to pay decent players uh Mm -hmm. good money because they have to spend it so um let's see what do we have in our question bucket uh let's see uh (laughs) from mo hey robin patrick aka the bears gms it's mo AKA the GM of the Jets. 
Uh, we're going to send you two first-round picks, a conditional second, and some other stuff. The question is, are you sending Justin Fields to New York so you can very expensively fix a draft mistake from a few years ago? Or are you sending us the right, the right to pick Bryce Young or the Kentucky kid or whoever else so we can once again choose the wrong quarterback in the draft? See you on draft day. I Mo. think Mo has very pithily summed up why the Bears can't deal Fields. Correct. Because, like, even with a good position, you're still in coin flip territory of yep. whether or not this is all going to work out. Uh, now, I do think there a hugely deterministic element is also what are you being drafted into? This was like this is why a lot of people were scared for Fields is mm-hmm. you're walking into a place that's kind of renowned for destroying quarterbacks yep. um, and any receivers that are paired with them. Uh, so I do think there's some places where like the odds of somebody succeeding, uh, like the same if the same player ends up on the Jets versus another team. They will be a bust if they're on the Jets and they might have turned out to be like a decent quarterback somewhere else. but. I think fundamentally, yes, this is why the Bears really can't play around with this is because if the Bears do that and and that like they they were draw they they got a good pick from a good draft class. Even if you're saying, oh, they're gonna have a better draft like they're gonna get more draft picks and then some better draft positions they can they can play around with uh to to draft a quarterback, there's just no guarantee that you're gonna get a good one and you're drawing from a poorer talent stock. Uh, than than you initially did. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sam in Iowa. What is more important, that the Buffalo Bills finally win the Super Bowl or that they get there but lose to the Eagles, which would make the Bills the only team to lose Super Bowls to every team from a particular division? When Buffalo lost four straight Super Bowls, it was to New York, Washington, and Dallas twice. Sam in Iowa. (laughs) That is incredible uh, that they could complete the circle of losses by uh, going going to the the Super Bowl and uh, and losing. Who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? I don't know when we're going to do this next, so it might be mm. after the, the Super Bowl. It might be the next sports body. There's a preview or after the fact. I I mean, like it's boring, but like I would I would still today say that it's going to be like a Chiefs Eagles uh, Super Bowl. That's like that would be my expectation. Uh, I, I just feel like things tend to just not work out for the bills at the last (laughs) possible minute. Mm -hmm. And I think that might just happen again, uh, especially because of late Allen's gotten a little looser with the ball. And so there's a little bit more of like, uh, it worked out, but there's a little bit of, he's going to give a game away, uh, to a team that doesn't make those kinds of mistakes and has a similar sort of, uh, explosive offense, i.e. KC, uh, with, I, I, I kind of agree with you as far as the NFC goes. Um, I am so curious how this, I could see, yes, the Giants giving the Eagles a lot of trouble, but I just think the Eagles defense can like put the clamps on on the Giants in a way that the Vikings couldn't. Uh, but yeah, that's like that's kind of my boring pick. I you're not wrong. Your analysis is spot on. But. Like, I think it's the most exciting one to me, which is different than what I think it'll be, is is Chiefs 49ers. There are so many fun storylines where they Brock Purdy. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo would technically be cleared to come back as a as a backup for the Super Bowl. Um, the 49ers defense is incredible. Like the, I think yeah. they might be the only defense that has a shot at doing anything against uh, the Chiefs. Their offense is unbelievable. Like every play would be spectacular. And like Kyle Shannon in the Super Bowl with those weapons, like, whew, like 
That's what I want to see. And then also just poor Brock Purdy. Like, like I like the improbable first year seventh round quarterback going to the Super Bowl would make my heart a flutter. I well, can I'm already gonna... see the the mini documentaries about his family life. Uh, uh, already opting <laughs> the movie script. Yes. Uh, God. It also, like, if you're Mahomes in that game, you have to fucking destroy them because otherwise <laughs> he ends up being your Eli fucking Manning. Yes. Uh, da, da, da. I do like this one. Yeah. Hey, you want to read it? Yeah. Hey, wait, Sporter fam. My favorite EPL team, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, is looking to be bought by a Qatari investment firm. Is there a way to square the moral quandary of still supporting a team I followed for 20 plus years while knowing the near infinite money that would surely be invested into the team is just Qatar participating in even more uh, sports washing? How can I still love this habitually underachieving uh, team uh, underachieving, causing me to drink at ungodly times in the morning of sheer stress, bane of my existence, a team that I can't help to uh, but love with my whole heart. Uh, thanks for the advice, Derek. That is a tri- that is a tricky one. I think for me, I think my feelings would change if like if somebody came along and bought the Bears, and they weren't just like a shitty billionaire, but like effectively like a malevolent uh like autocratic nation state uh, well, we saw, uh the, the wwe has not been bought by like this saudi uh, like entertainment investment fund where they've been like wanting to spend whatever crazy amounts of money over like the next 10 years to invest in a bunch of different entertainment products uh but it's a similar i, I saw that like I, I saw that emotional arc happen for a lot of people in real time as that rumor was going around. Um, it since hasn't seemed to have happened, although the WWE is probably to be sold to somebody um, in, in the coming months. But yeah, like what what do you do, like what do you do with those feelings when uh, I don't know? I don't have good answers for like I, I think my answer is I hope it doesn't happen to me and yeah. I'm not forced to deal with it. It could be like to me, it would feel like my franchise has been stolen. Like to yes. me, that is how it would feel is all the history, all that got put up on the block and someone else is now wearing the skin of my franchise. Yeah. And like, they might be in the same building, they might be wearing the same uniform uniforms, but like, I think it would be tough to feel the same way that like, okay, it's no longer really the Chicago bears. It is now like the Saudi sovereign wealth bears. Uh, like that is that's going to change my feeling the other part of this that I kind of wonder about because I know like soccer tends to be different in this regard Mm -hmm. like I am sure it's fun watching your team win but is it that fun when someone shows up and just like pours money into the franchise and just like for instance I think uh, Paris Saint Germain uh, was effectively bought by like the Saudi royal family or something and they won a ton of championships uh, in Europe, just like became a a dominant, uh, a dominant club. But at the same time, it was also kind of a foregone conclusion because they were just like, if they were great players, they were signing them. It's just money was no object. Mm-hmm. And part of it is part of what makes sports interesting is like teams kind of have to figure out where are we going to be weak? Where are we going to like, how do we balance this all out and and, and bring this roster together? Well, and yet uh, soccer is the most popular yeah, soccer is the most popular sport and has none of those limitations. Yeah. So it's but, on some level, it's like we've just gotten you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's a. I, I'm with you. Like, 
I think it is a superior system to put rest- like um, like mild financial restrictions in place or have things like the NBA in which you pay are paying a luxury tax in which, yeah, you can go above the spending limit, but we're going to financially punish you so that like you <laughs> you have to have a better billionaire in order to, to pull it off. Um, but, you know, it's also true that none of this exists in this particular sport. And yet it's, you know, more popular than than anything uh, worldwide. And I don't. Uh, I, I wonder how much of our reaction to that is just born out of this is what we're used to um, versus there's kind of it seems like in soccer a little more haves and have nots and you just get used to like that top tier uh, that can switch on a dime if someone yeah. if the right if the right billionaire comes along because that's just not true in football like the the reason sports fans in, in America get so upset at their owners they're all shitty billionaires but like it's all like temperament as opposed to like the capital they have access to. It has not, it's not that it doesn't have any impact, right? Like you have like the Raiders, there was reporting that like they cannot fire Josh McDaniel because they're already still paying the previous coaching contract, uh, which was a 10 year one with what's his face. Uh, Gruden. Gruden. They signed, you know, McDaniel to let's say a four year contract or whatever. And they don't, they literally do not have, like the liquid capital to pay those and then also pay another four to six year contract for a new coach. Um, and so well, and the those are the instances where they that, don't have like a large capital reserve right. uh, to, to tap into. Yeah. Right. And also coaching is the one coaching uh, uh, hires in the NFL are the only one that is unrestricted. It doesn't affect your cap. You So you could pay them a billion dollars if you wanted to. Um, and it, it doesn't affect how you actually do the, the team building process. But but I do. But to your point, Patrick, I do think one thing to bear in mind, like, yes, like, for instance, uh, Premier League has become uh, it, it's effectively internationalized, right? Like so many of our American friends uh, like follow Premier League pretty religiously. At the same time, like I think one reason that soccer is so popular globally is because there's so many like regional leagues. Like people do mm-hmm. have like uh, regional clubs that they that they follow and are still like sort of passionately attached to. And it's I, not I, just I, about winning the Super Bowl. Like there are other rungs on the ladder. Right. That there's can national feel, team like, stuff. There's there's, there's like, sa- there are satisfying victories even if you know you're not going to get the ultimate prize. And to eat, like in the NFL, winning your division. Is like is is all that's the only other consolation prize, right? Like is like you you we're gonna take the north and not and not and not give it right. back, like sort of bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, I I just I I do kind of wonder about like some of these teams that get bought out by like huge uh like wealth funds and such mm-hmm. uh, where they can effectively just blow open the the budget. Um, I do wonder how over time how much fun is that. Uh, to to be a fan of if, it, if it's kind of like well we're just kind of in a spending arms race and that's what we're watching. We haven't really. I mean, we are increasingly seeing in the NFL like conglomerate like sort of groups like put pooling together their wealth to purchase teams like that just happened to the Broncos right like it's not a single billionaire like it is people going in together that's probably what will end up happening to the Washington well. Commanders at some point. What those? But it's mostly so, the Walmart family, right? Yeah. The, like, so that's, that's the thing. Like, what's become the new thing to do is you sort of stash your billionaire in there. Yeah. And then, like, the Waltons went in alongside Lewis Hamilton. Uh, and, and so they're also Lewis involved Hamilton, in the um, the 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 Rams, right? Like, like they built that stadium. I think that is the also, Waltons did. Let me look up, but I'm pretty sure the Walmart money's connected to them too. 
But like, but either way, that's that's kind of where you get these things where it's like, oh, this person's a co-owner of of the Broncos. So like in in, in Denver, it's like uh, F one star Lewis Hamilton is a co-owner of the Broncos. But like, he's a very minority owner alongside the uh, yeah Walmart uh, family. And so yes, I think that, the that's wa- part yeah, of the it. wa- it's Ann Walton uh, Cronky. Uh, she is the the Cronkies, CEO That's how they, yes, okay. Yes, and so the. Uh, so when you think yeah, Kroenke, her husband Stan Kroenke is the majority owner and CEO of the Rams, Arsenal, Premier League, Colorado Rapids, MLS, and uh, Colorado Mammoth. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, like that's wild. Um, I knew that in the back of my head, and they also they're the ones that, uh, you know, funded the SoFi Stadium, like the the like six billion dollar. I kind of do want to see a game there at some point. Like, sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you you and me both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rob, also the thing that is in the back of my mind that I'll never quite be able to shake, it, it was not going to work. But, I mean, we did have a – you did, like, idly suggest to see if I would take the bait on us going to that that Patriots-Bears game. We could have been there. Oh, dude, I thought, like, that whole <laughs> night, I was like, you would have had to extend your visit by two days. Yes. But I was thinking it might have been worth it for us we to We couldn't be, like, have known. Like, drunk if I, off I, our asses in the freezing cold oh at God. Foxborough. I, that would have been that would have been incredible. That would have been incredible. Um, all right. Well, let's get to uh, the game. Oh, and yeah, if you have uh, questions, please uh, write into uh, gamingadvice.com with the uh, subject title questions or sports uh, rather. Uh, and then uh, you'll usually see on Twitter uh, me linking to a Google Doc in which you can send in questions as well. But I do go through all the ones that come in through the mailbox uh, when we are prepping for a new episode. Uh this does bring us to the end of the uh, Pick'em League. Um, I did not realize until we got to the playoffs that you had to start a second separate league to do the playoffs. So the regular season had come to an end. I did note at the very top of this document. It's not there anymore, but it was I had forgotten about this. It was like, Rob actually picked the Raiders like you put it. You you reco- formally requested I act as a manager and change one of your picks um, so that it was in the win column. And I did do that. Um, and so the final total, before we get to ours, uh, let's see, I want to congratulate, da, da, da. Let me rank this, uh, Sam Osborne, uh, num- was number one in our league with 154 correct picks out of 240 for a winning percentage of 64.17%, which is wild. Wow. Um, uh, number two, S, uh, Zillard. Uh, number three, Paper Bags. Number four, Burns98. Number five, Jordan, o- Jordan O'Ains. Number six, some dipshit named Patrick Klupik. Congrats to them. Uh, number seven, Dr. Fidget. Number eight, Kenny Shar. Number nine, La Bamba Dudebaka, which is a great name. And number 10, Sharbert. Also uh, a wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, Rob, you're down here at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Um, you ended up with 130. It's listed on Gridiron Games, 129. I bumped you up to 130. Um, well, what's funny is I think I didn't pick the last week. Well, so that's the, that's very funny. Yeah, so you have 130 out of 224. I have 148 out of 240, thus showing a discrepancy in, in picks. I think so. Uh, like there was a COVID issue uh, that last that last week where I was like, I just slept until like one. Uh, and I was like, well, that's that ship is sailed. 
I feel uh, well, I feel good even if you had done that. I don't think you could have beat me. I think I, I think no, I have a comfortable no, I buffer. Um, I would have had to be flawless. No, even flawless doesn't get me there. Uh, but yeah, I think probably what's more accurate is I probably would have like maybe I'd be at like one thirty eight or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to everyone who participated in in, in the Pick'em League. We um, like weirdly hard to get a Pick'em League that people can just sign up for um, as opposed to like private invitations. So I promise to do more research uh, the next. Well, next year we get into super hardcore gambling. Yes. Yeah. We're going to we're going to have a degenerate <laughs> section sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, uh, I only show my degenerate one dollar bets to Robin Austin in a discord uh, DM um, uh, to, to let them know that I'm relentlessly rooting for the Giants to win so I can win uh, eighty dollars on a ten dollar bet um, or, or sweating the fact that the Cowboys kicker that just came in, though. Right. That did. I Yeah. But I, I was uh, I lost one of them. Uh, that I just like put, you know, little dinky dollar bets on things to like, and the more high, the, the more like unlikely, you know, obviously the more money you make. And I remember my, my, my wife is turning to me. He's like, why are you stressing out over these missed extra points that keep happening in this Cowboys game? I was like, because I have a dollar bet that pays out twenty two fifty if every team makes a field goal and the Cowboys are really undermining the chance for that dollar to pay off. Um, but it's similar to fantasy football in that, Again, don't touch this shit if, if you can't handle it. I'm not advocating anyone to get anything that, um, you know, is 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 going to uh, kind of set them off. But um, I enjoy the additional. Having just talked about how awesome it is. It is, though. Well, yeah, That's, look. Yeah, the, I can well, handle this it. This is the problem know? with a lot of, like, dangerous vices is, yes. like, there is a core of the appeal there. But also, uh, much, much, like, much like anything else that I do, like, listen to what I just said, like. I'm stressing over a dollar <laughs> dollar bet that pays out twenty two dollars. You don't go very far down the road before it stops being fun. Yes, um, yes. and starts being scary. The other thing, uh, I like. There's this one ad that never stops cracking me up. It is just the play by play, and I think it's an X's and O's depiction of a game that is like having some sort of like wild finish, and the the end of the message is like unbelievable happens. Only bet you can afford to lose, but. <laughs> With the play-by-play call and the roar of the crowd, for me, what that what that ad is actually saying is, imagine if you had fucking money down on this boy. <laughs> like that's like it's the the anti-gambling ad is like basically they're getting you hyped for like. But imagine if you were on the like imagine if this wasn't a bad beat. Well, it's uh, it's weird how the. Like so, in years past, uh, I do the thing that most people do is like you make an account with this Bovada. So you basically you're using a uh, you know a, a website and a casino in Las Vegas to to do it. And now that it's legal in Illinois, I can just use an app. Like I, I think I used the FanDuel one because they gave you some free stuff when you signed up. But um, it logs you out every time you leave the app, and then is chock full of like what I can't tell are these like regulatory measures are these measures to prevent regulatory action which is probably actually what it is but it literally logs you out every time you flick away so even if you like go back to see like what is the status of some small stakes uh, bet that I put in like one time I put up I was like you've looked at this you've looked at this app for 12 minutes today are you okay Here's a phone number. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. But I'm a smartphone user. This is how it works. It's like, uh, yeah, like when we go to commercial, I open and, and the best part is 
I need to turn this off, but I'll get an email every time that said successful login to your FanDuel account. And so it's like, why do I have 80 emails in my in my email? It's like, oh, because I've just idly like flicked back to this app and not realized it. And then it was like, this is a really <laughs> ugly look at my viewing habits through all of these confirmations of accessing my account. Uh Anyway, week 13, not week 13. We uh, uh this is the uh, what divisional round, right? Uh yeah. Uh, we have uh the first game, uh, which I am not gonna be able to watch either of these games because I'm gonna be at a wedding. Um, but uh I'm sure they'll be on on someone's phone. Um Jags at Chiefs. Uh you know, I I I I think the Chief is weirdly. We have not talked a lot about the Chiefs. They, it just seems like Patrick Mahomes has become sort of a well. He's just so good that he's gotten kind of boring. Yeah, sort of player. And as much as the Jags are a feel good story, and I like Trevor Lawrence, I, I love like the confidence of Doug Peterson. I feel like this is probably where this this story comes to an end, and that we are reminded once again how incredible. Patrick Mahomes is because I, I do think we've kind of forgotten. He is just quietly the MVP that that is like, well, yeah, look, look, he did something completely it's, wild again. There weren't like there was one really interesting game that we knew was going to be fun, which was their Bills game. Uh, and that like everyone was hyped for to see that rematch. But like, yes, for the most part, the Chiefs, you kind of presume uh there, there's a great um God, there, there, there's there's a great quote about uh, one of the old heavyweight championships. Uh, oh God! Um, but basically, the the uh, saying rooting for this guy was like uh, watching Sidney Carton go up on go up to the gallows at the end of Tale of Two Cities and giving three cheers for the guillotine. Uh, that was that's basically where the Chiefs are at right now. Um, yeah. Uh so yes, I I'm picking the Chiefs on that one, but. Will I think the Jags winning would rule? I just don't think there's much of a chance of. of I think the the Chargers all season had been kind of perilous, and they were always going to be vulnerable. And yep. I just don't think that's going to be the case here. Yeah. I think the Jags could put up points. I think you know, I don't think they're going to get blown out, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs have like 50 points and the Jags have 20. And yeah, but there is always a possibility that just yep. turns into a wild track meet. We've seen that happen with the Chiefs mm-hmm. where like their defense can't get the clamps on a game yep. and it turns into whose team is going to be the first to finish possession without scoring because that's going to be the team that loses. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it's the Chiefs. Uh, Giants at Eagles. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I'm like review like last year I adopted the Bengals like they were my team. I was like, yeah. th- th- I, I was I just love Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They're just so much fun to root for. Um, Just had a charisma about them that I was like, I'm I'm all in. Um, I think for me, like, <laughs> although it's a much less talented team, I think that's the Giants for me this year is like I want to I want to ride this team as far as they'll they'll take me. But I, I can't you like I couldn't in good conscience. Uh, well, maybe for a dollar I could. Maybe I maybe I could bet them for a dollar to see to see the upset. But I think I think the Eagles. The the one question is going to be Jalen Hurts. Like we don't have a good sense of where that's that shoulder is at. Um, you know, we watched this with Justin Fields all season. Yeah. Like the shoulder, it's not the throwing shoulder, or is it? Is his the throwing shoulder? I forget. That I don't know. Yeah, but shoulders are shoulders are tough. Like they're really easy to reaggravate. They really impact the running game. Um, which is a huge part of what the Eagles have been doing this season is just the threat of 
Hurts uh, uh, getting on the end the run. And so I think that I think the Giants can give him a lot of fits. My guess is that, that the Eagles pull this one out. But like everything else for the Giants this season, I think they're going to make you earn it. Like they are not going to go quietly and you're going to be frustrated how hard you have to work to get that win. Yeah. Uh, Bengals and Bills. Where do you think you're at with that one? I'm still with the Bills, but like. I think they're ripe for an implosion. I think it's possible yeah, the Bengals Josh, come in and just Josh Allen them. keeps fire. Like, it's like. I know they're the team of destiny for a week there because of the Hamlin stuff, but. And it was it was magical when that uh, I forget what the player was, but the you know the special teams returner like brought back a kick the f- yeah. the first play after um, that really scary incident. But now she's back to playing football again, and Josh Allen looks kind of shook. Yeah, I'm. Uh... Yeah, but no, so with the belt, like the pro- like the thing that's easy to forget. Is we didn't talk very much about this game, but like. The Bengals Ravens game was really old school in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And like fundamentally, the Ravens lost that game. And uh, like Burrow was on the sidelines for most of that second half, just watching it play out. And so that's kind of the problem is is, uh, he might be that guy. But like Josh Allen, even though he makes egregious mistakes, the thing is he might be back the next drive with a like deep strike. Yeah. Like I, I still will be with the Bills here. Uh, the Jamar or uh, uh, T Higgins and Joe Burrow won me my fantasy league. So I, I'm not, I, I, they were my theory of the case when I went into this season, it worked out for me in my, in my fantasy league. And so I will continue to ride uh, the Bengals. Uh, I just, I don't feel good about Josh Allen. Like the end of that game left me with such worries about his high, his high variance play that he's mostly been able to keep under lock and key, but just, it was old, bad Josh Allen all through that game, and that that worries me. Uh, yeah, but maybe they should just let him cook. <laughs> well, they let Russell cook, and then he he cooked the whole goddamn yep. team. Uh, Rob, I'll be by the time next time we talk, they shall have they should have figured out uh, who they're hiring as the next coach. I mean, it now seems to be the Sean Payton competition. That doesn't seem like an attractive place to go, but um, I'll be I'll be curious to see who decides to to take that to take that job. Last game, Cowboys at 49ers. The the Cowboys looked awful against the Commanders a week ago and looked world beating against the Bucks. That said the Bucks suck shit. They've sucked shit the whole season. And so they looked good. And the the Cowboys offense when they're rolling is 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 really I like Dak more than most. Like he, he was back on the Bears were in quarterback purgatory and he hadn't signed his his deal. I was like, you know what? Like Dak would be better than anything we've ever had. Like that's fine. Trade away the two firsts, figure it out. Um, but just this 49ers team, they just have so much talent. And I know that we're probably due for a Brock Purdy letdown game. Like that's gonna like at some point he's gonna get shaken off, but I just can't bet against the 49ers right now. Um, and so I I I have a tough time picking against them. And yet I think this is the one where I do. Like I mm-hmm. think this is a I don't think it's unreasonable. I think that- I, I think that Cowboys defense could get at them. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Micah Parsons gets a couple of big hits on Purdy, and all of a sudden it's not, you know, it gets it gets scary fast. We not we haven't seen him play scared. Is the difference? And yeah. 
what does a guy do like that do when the answers aren't in front of him anymore? Uh, and that's when suddenly the sec- the seventh round pick probably becomes a lot more apparent. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we're, you know, just kind of just getting into the flow of things for 2023 in terms of our schedule. We just had my turn, uh, which we uh, watched uh, nostalgia, uh, uh, Andre Tarkovsky's nostalgia. That was Ren's pick. Next up, we'll be doing my pick. Uh, we're watching uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight uh, in the weeks ahead. I think you uh, have a next man hunting has got to be on deck soon, right? You're running out of movies, uh- right? Running, running out. There's a few more, uh, but and he's got one yeah, this year, we, right? That's the the Ferrari movie Enzo? or whatever is this yeah. year. Yeah, I think that is this year. Um, very excited about that. But yes, for now. Uh, but the problem is, I was talking to Alex the other day. It's we're not going to be able to record that till uh, February. Okay, uh, just the way it's shaking out. So man hunting is like it needs to be on deck, but like right now we are on a uh, winter hold. Okay, all right. So we'll figure out where we're going next. We've. Uh, uh, you know, maybe with sports will come back either. Maybe we'll come back before the yeah. Super Bowl then if um, uh, if you guys are on a bit of a, a break while that, the schedule yeah. gets figured out. So stay tuned. We'll get we'll have more stuff coming along. Um, and we uh, I got some ideas from some other stuff we can do for for Waypoint Plus uh, this year that I am excited about. In the meantime, you can follow Waypoint on Twitter at Waypoint on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Waypoint on YouTube at youtube.com slash Waypoint Vice. And our writing at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is premiering ad-free on Waypoint Plus, which you can subscribe to and gain access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, ad-free episodes, and more at waypointplus.com. You can follow me on Twitter, although increasingly I feel like I need to actually connect that to a, a Mastodon account <laughs> at yep. Patrick. I have one. I just, you know, I keep reserving spaces on different services and then not not using them uh uh but i I feel like i need to (laughs) just read that big new york magazine article about the first couple months of of twitter and was like oh no i need to figure this out so i have a place where i can talk to people rob where can where can people follow you uh yeah also still on twitter uh at rob zachman yes all right we'll be back soon fuck capitalism and bear down Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.